intro there a little bit longer yeah. than anticipated is uh steve's gone to town hasn't he the last last week or so making lots and lots of changes um um as well as that we've got a new banner yes forum it's it's all changed all change um so they're all good um but look priorities another three points in the bag get in there uh, absolutely buzzing with Friday night's result. And look, we're going to get into it all um, with the guests and the guests are streaming in. They must have, these guests have just peeped in as the as the intro was on, but they're, they're, um, they're all ready to talk Newcastle United. But first of all, the main man, Chris Hall, uh, alongside me. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Just um, very thankful, very thankful that we managed to pick up them three points on Friday night because uh, obviously we've seen, you know, the other results, Everton Everton picking up three points against uh, Man United and obviously um, Leeds getting a good result against Watford and teams like that. So it's, yeah, much, much needed three points. I know most people will say we're safe. As everyone knows, mathematically, we're not safe. So um, yeah, much needed three points, and uh, I just I just dread to think. Just imagine if we never got them three points, because then I think I think a lot of people would be a little bit more anxious. And you know what was nice, Pete, as well, which I know we'll get into, but it was nice that we didn't play particularly well against Wolves, and similarly, Wolves didn't play particularly well against us, but we we managed to come away from them three points. And I do I do think you know home advantage now is is so big and funnily enough i was talking to my friend uh the other day about this and um you know we were talking about the remaining fixtures and he's a red he's a liverpool fan and he said to me um well you're, you're unbeaten since the january transfer window aren't you and I, at home and i was like oh i don't know let me check and i looked and i was like oh god yeah we are and it just goes to show doesn't it the difference um of us playing at home at the moment I think I don't think any club likes to come to St James's Park at the moment because it is literally like a cauldron, isn't it? And the fans are fully behind the team, and the players—you can see the players giving that little bit extra, and you, you know they've got the full support of all the fans. Um, so I think you know certainly for our running, we've got a good number of uh, home games coming up, and it's nice because I think we had four away games on the bounce. Um, so it's nice, nice to finally be back at home, and uh, you know to get three points was was huge. And now, Pete, what what are we talking? Maybe two or three points just to see us mathematically over that line would you say yeah you know look um it, it, it's we're we're about there we've kind of got yeah, yeah, yeah we've yeah. kind of got one foot through the door and like like maybe like three quarters of the second foot yeah through the door. Like we, we are yeah. we are we, we we are extremely extremely close but just just from your perspective uh, obviously, about the game against Wolves, one one nil under the lights at St James's Park. Fantastic atmosphere it looked like and sounded like um, on the Sky TV um, cameras. You know, what was your biggest? What was your biggest standout? Um, it could be anything about the game, Chris. What was your biggest standout? Uh, you know, it could be it could be the crowd, it could be the performance, it could be an individual, it could just be the result in itself, the manager. Anything that really kind of stood out for you about that game on Friday night? 
Do you know what? There's probably a number of things, Pete, but I think the big thing for me was uh, Chris Wood get, getting that scrappy goal. Do you know what I mean? That 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 was, well, I say the scrappy goal. He he, he obviously scored the penalty, which was great. And I made, I made up for him. And he really, you know, he, it was the way he finished the goal. Yeah, I don't, by the way, I don't actually think it was a particularly good penalty, if I'm honest. Um, but, you know, he did he did the job. Because uh, when you watch the replay, he's hit it. But really, you know, if the keeper had kind of stood still or maybe gone slightly, you know, to the to his right, I believe, I don't think he would have had. I don't think he would have had much trouble saving it, if I'm honest. But uh, ultimately, main thing is he's put the ball in the back of the net. So I'm, I'm made up for Chris Wood. Um, you know, I, I think it is a massive goal for him and gives him a little bit of confidence going into the future game. So I'd, I'd say Chris Wood, and I just, I just love, I just love Bruno Gomes, mate. I just love him. I just think he's he's just so good, isn't he? And I I, I keep thinking about the future and obviously looking to next season. He's gonna he's gonna have six months under his belt, a full preseason with Eddie Howe and the rest of the lads, and hopefully some new signings. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm licking my lips at the thought of uh, seeing Bruno Gomes starting his first full season at Newcastle next season. Hopefully with you know some added quality next to him. Um, so yeah, I think I think that my my biggest takeaway from the from the game at the weekends or the game on Friday, should I say, was um, was Chris Wood. I, I was I was delighted for him, and you know you could see how much it meant to him as well, and hopefully he gets a few people off his back. Uh, yeah, I, I have to agree. Uh, really nice to see him score that goal. Uh, I like the penalty. Uh, I thought you know reminded me very much of of, a, of an Alan Shearer penalty uh, in those situations. I've watched it back a few times, and he does look like he tries to give the goalkeeper the eyes. Yeah. He does almost as he runs up, he almost sets as if he's going to go to to the keeper's uh, left hand side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why he just, went. Yeah. Just whips his foot in the last minute into the far, uh, well, I say the far corner. It was quite central, though, wasn't it, Pete? It, it was, was a bit like when I watched it back, I was like, ooh, but. You're right. He gave him the eyes. The keeper went the wrong way. So, yeah, definitely. But uh, and look, I'm sure now we're going to get into Bruno Gomes because I think everyone is going to talk about um, the the best Bruno in England at the moment in English football. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Bruno G, Bruno Gomes, um, a, a stunning, stunning performance. But um, an early question. An early question in, and it's come to you, Chris. New banner. I hope Chris hasn't increased his diva demands. Uh, can you? Can you? Um, can you? You know? Can you confirm or deny these rumours? Nah, I've got to deny them. I'd like. I'd like to say I spat me dummy out and said to Steve, "Come on, Steve, you need to up this, mate." But I, I didn't. I didn't. Um, you know, I, I think think they're very impressive, and uh, full credit to Steve. But no. It wasn't uh, wasn't after a tongue lashing off me. Um, I've got to say, I haven't uh, I haven't increased any demands, Julie. You know me; I'm easy going. <laughs> I can confirm that that is not the case. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, but look, let's not beat around the bush. We've got um, already so many questions coming in, which is fantastic. And we are we say it every week. If you don't see it pop up when we're going through the. Um, through the points, it means that we've kept it as a potential yes. question or a comment throughout the show, so it will be shared at some point. But look, we've got guests waiting um, that want to obviously talk about a fantastic win, and we're going to start. Um, we've got um, a fantastic regular in who's going to make some great points. Um, and welcome in, Tony. How are you doing, Tony? Yeah, not too bad, lads. How are you? Good, good. good. Look, how are you feeling right now after that game on Friday? What What are your initial thoughts? thoughts coming into Monday after the Friday before? Well, I'm absolutely pleased that we got the three points. That's the main thing. 
and I didn't care how we got three points. I couldn't care if it went enough to keep us backside as long as we got three points. That was the main thing. Um, I predicted 2-0 Friday, so, you know, but I don't mind. I'll take 1-0. And, uh, you know, it could have been 2-0 at that, that goal stood, but it was offside, so, you know. But um, one quick thing, I know, I know you mentioned the results, like, obviously, Everton and, you know, Leeds and that. But what about Norwich doing a huge favour? I mean, they'd be Burnley. I know, I know, yeah, yeah. I always knew I loved Norwich for some reason. I, I, was, always, <laughs> I was a fan of Norwich. I don't know why. But um, it, w look, Tony, were you shocked by that result? Because I know I was. Um, I, I certainly didn't expect that. But but you know, how you know were you shocked by it, or was it was it a result you were expecting from Norwich? No, I thought Burnley would have gone down there and won. To be fair, after beating Everton, and knowing Everton had got that win against Man United, so. I thought Burnley would go then and win by about two or three goals, but it wasn't the case. Yeah. And it was one of them games you had Sorry, it was one of them games you had to watch. Hey, sorry. I was going to say, Burnley were really poor though, weren't they? They were. Yeah, they were really bad. Corny had a chance. He missed a sitter, didn't he? <laughs> How he didn't put that away. <laughs> it, it was a bad miss. It yeah, was a good bad player miss. him as well. Good player that Corny. He is. Yeah. Definitely. But, but yeah, back to our Friday night game. But yeah, absolutely brilliant. And I mean, uh, you know, from I thought Wolves were very poor in that first half. They were absolutely dreadful. And you could yeah. see their manager getting really animated on the side as well. And, you know, he wasn't happy with the team. And I was just trying to work out what type of football they were playing, whether they're just to collect a point or whether they're trying to get three points because I, I didn't know what their game plan was. But, um, you know... And then the second half, they sort of come out a bit and played a little bit better, but not much. Um, but, I, you know, to get a clean sheet at the end of it is the most important part as well. Yeah. yeah. I know they had a couple of shots. Um, Fabio Silva had one, which Dubravka pulled off a great save. You know, but um, other than that, they didn't really threaten us, did they, really? I think that was the only chance, wasn't it, Tony? Um, yeah. That chance that you talked about, Fabio Silva, it was a good save because I mean yeah. I don't know, I don't know what you, both yourself and Chris think, but you know from the replays, it does look like it's going in. So it's yeah. a save that Bravka has to make really uh, yeah. in that situation, yeah. and and you know I'm sure Dubravka will be a little bit of a talking point as as we go on in the show. But um, you know from 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 your perspective, um, who were who were the you know, one or two of the main standout players for you from a Newcastle perspective, who really kind of made you think, wow, they had a really good game today, um, you know, from your perspective? Um, well, obviously, Bruno's man the match, without a doubt. <laughs> um, Dubravka played well because considering he didn't have a lot to do, he still had to have his concentration level there. Yeah. So he was still there to, you know, um, I thought Dan Byrne played well, solid enough. Um, Kraft wasn't too bad either, you know. Um, mm. You know, he gets a lot of stick. And, you know, I've given the guy a lot of stick in the past, but I'll give him credit. He played well on uh, Friday night. Um, and I thought St. Maxim didn't have the be didn't have a bad game. That one ball he put across the box, if he just took it, the pace off it a little bit and didn't fizz it as hard, I think Wood may have got on the end of that. But, you know, and then that volley, that shot he put over the bar, you know. Um, but yeah, but in, in all in all, it was a great team performance. Yeah. 
But obviously, Bruno was a standout player on that pitch all night. Yeah. And when you see that map, that I don't know if you saw the map on uh, Sky Sports that they put up. Um, he was everywhere on that pitch, Bruno. Yeah. And unlucky yes. not to get a goal as well. He was very, very unlucky. I think the pass from Alan St. Maximin, it just that it was the only it was the only type of pass that uh, ASM could do, but it just fell slightly behind him. I think Bruno had kind of just gone slightly too early, so it didn't kind of fall in this stride that he could control and hit it within the same motion. So we kind of had to kind of readjust his position. Still dug the shot out. It was very, very lucky. Took a deflection, yeah. but um, yeah, he he was by far the best player on the pitch um, by a mile. And, and yeah. you know, I think you, you, yourself, Tony, and, and others have alluded to it that I certainly did after the game on Friday that, you know, Wolves, Wolves are not a poor team. Wolves have had a very good season and they, you know, they could have gone two points off top four with that win on Friday night. And that just shows you the type of form and the type of performance that we've, that we've put in in order to stop them. Because I think it is that. And I don't know what you guys, Chris, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. I don't know what you guys think, but, you know, there's been a lot of talk. Uh, a lot of pundits have said, oh, you know, Wolves were really poor, you know, not a good performance, blah, blah, blah. For me, I think we made Wolves play bad. Uh, and I think sometimes we don't get the credit. Newcastle don't get the credit. And, and you know what? I don't think us as a fan base give Newcastle the credit sometimes of when we go and play teams like we did. You know, go back to West Ham. We only took a point there. It was a big point. But I thought we made West Ham look and play really bad that day. I think we did the same on Friday. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Um, uh, Chris, I'll start with you and then we'll come back to you, Tony. Chris, what are your thoughts on that? The fact that we made Wolves play bad on Friday. Yeah, I mean, to a degree. I think you, you can't you can't consistently talk about, you know, the way we've performed since maybe mid to late December till now and say that, you know, we've come up against so many teams and we've just been lucky that they were having an off day. I think you've got to, you've got to factor in the fact that, you know, we, we probably made the team have an off day because I, I don't, I, don't recall seeing many Wolves players who I thought, oh God, he's had a shocker there. It was just the fact that we probably nullified them. Um, I mean, to touch, to touch slightly on um, St. Maximin, um, which I know, you know, Tony mentioned there. I just don't think anything was really going for him uh, on Friday. I wouldn't say he had a bad game. Uh, I just think that, you know, he was trying certain things and they weren't coming off. I don't think it was for a lack of effort. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, I do think that, you know, the performances that we're putting in are certainly nullifying, and I think that's the best word I would use to describe it. Was stopping, uh, you know, our our opponents playing and performing. And that that that's in no small, um, in no small. I don't know what I'm trying to say. You know, that's down to Eddie Howe and the way that he's setting the team up and the application that the lads are putting into it and the effort. Um, you know, we we I mean, Pete, you and I were at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and you know, we saw the collapse. Um, and you know, nobody nobody would say on the back of that, oh, Newcastle were really bad, and that's why Tottenham performed. Everyone just says, oh, Tottenham are fantastic, and New you know Newcastle were outclassed. No one no one mentioned the fact that you know we were you know not at it, or we didn't turn up, or we didn't show up. It was just the fact, oh no, Tottenham just outclassed Newcastle. But when we win. It's always a case of, oh, yeah, the other team, they just weren't at it or, you know, they, they didn't play well. They, you know, we're never given the credit that we're probably due, due and deserve. Um, I don't think we were outstanding against Wolves. 
Um, and I've seen us play better, but the, as, as Tony rightly said at the start, the main thing is we got them three points and we didn't blow them away by any stretch. But I think I think we put a good shift in and, uh, you know, we fully deserve the three points. Anything to add on that, Tony? You know, we've obviously, I've, I've, raised, I've raised the question there about, and, and there's, a few, there's a number of people in the chat that, that seem to agree, Emmett and, and a number of others, Dunhill, have said the same. Um, uh, David, Cook, uh, David Cook, sorry, said the same about, you know, it's a fact of, you know, we, we don't seem to get the credit when we when we win a game. It always seems to be that you know, the team have played bad. But, you know, do, do you agree that we, we kind of, you know, we were the better team and we, we outplayed them? I mean, we, def we definitely um, stopped them playing, without a doubt. Um, but, yeah, the, the pundits do. I mean, sort of, you know, they're always, like, seem to be against us. And it's like they want us to fail. I mean, you know, um, like they had us going down and everything after the 14 games because they said nobody's ever stayed up after not winning the first 14, well, we've just proved you can do it. Um, but yeah, they, they just they just don't seem to give us the credit at all. And, uh, you know, hopefully next season, once the CEOs start playing better, maybe they might give us more credit. But um, no, they certainly don't. I mean, Carragher, he was, uh, well, he was all right on Friday. He was actually quite pleasant for a change. And, uh, you know, he even said the atmosphere at St. James's Park is a lot different nowadays. Mm. And even um, even he loves Bruno Guimaraes as well. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Well, it, how, how can you not, Tony? How yeah. can you not? You, you know you know what was really interesting about that? And sorry to segue slightly, because I know I know um Chris has kind of highlighted the point that one of the one of the um chatters is raised and it's a good one as well. But um I just want to raise this point is that I don't think anyone can talk bad about Bruno Gomez. I think I think pundits want to. I think pundits are all almost <laughs> desperate to, but because he's played so well, I just think at the moment there is so much jealousy from a lot of the top clubs. And I don't I, I'm I'm going to Jamie Carragher, I'm going to the likes of Michael Richards, I'm going to I'm going to all the top teams because I'm telling you now, Bruno Gomez can play in any of the teams in the Premier League. He oh, could, be, he could play in any single team in this Premier League. There is no doubt about it. And I think teams are watching Bruno Gomez, and they would have been watching him Friday night thinking, we've, we're fucked up here. We've messed yeah. up. Like, we have missed the trick. £40 million for a player like him. Yes, he's not played many games for us. I am aware of that. But when the quality comes through, it is obvious that he is an elite top level player and he's playing for Newcastle United um, and you know what not just playing for us he loves playing for Newcastle yeah. United yeah. And, he, yeah. and he's made that perfectly clear and there's no better feeling in seeing tweets from Arsenal fans Tottenham fans Man City fans Man United fans you know absolutely gutted and frustrated and angry that he's playing for Newcastle United and not their team because he could walk into any one of those teams and regularly play football for them. It's fantastic. I don't know what I you mean, guys think. Yeah. I mean, it was a fact that we we beat Arsenal to his signature as well because he was odds on for Arsenal, wasn't he? Yeah. Until we well, came in. Yeah. And we were in the relegation zone when he came, don't forget as well. Yeah. And he got and a you know what? Yeah. 
Do you know what's interesting, Tony? And just to add in what Pete said, yeah, you, you'll probably find as well there's certain fans saying that, Pete, and there's certain fans who are saying, oh, you know, we missed a trick. But then you'll get the other side of the fans who go, oh, he's only scored one goal. Oh, he hasn't, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't done that much. Look at the, I don't know why he's being hyped up so much. It's all the people who obviously, you know, the Newcastle fans, we're renowned as Newcastle fans, you know, for being knowledgeable about football. It's all the fans who are really, really into the football, watch the football and understand the football. And, you know, we, we, we watch Bruno week in, week out, you know, people will go to the stadium, people will watch on the telly and we can appreciate exactly what he does for the team. The pundits are exactly the same. They know the football, they understand it. And sooner or later, loads of people will start watching and thinking, wow, this player. I mean, I, I think to a certain degree, he is going under the radar a bit um, because, you know, he's not perhaps getting all the assists and all the goals, but that's not what he's about. And we yeah. knew that when he came in, we yeah. knew. He, he is just one of those players who would keep us ticking over. And he just, he always looks, Bruno, and this is always a good sign of a, a sign of a good player. He always looks like he's got two or three seconds on the ball when he picks it up. And he'll lay it off simple. And then you can see him asking for it, saying, give me the ball back, give me the ball back. We haven't had a player like that in so long. So many times we've had players who go into hiding, they give the ball and then they'll turn the back. Or, you know, they'll they'll stand next to a player knowing full well they're not going to receive the pass because they're marked. He's constantly spinning off players. He's asking for the ball. He's creating space. He's making runs. He's trying to be progressive with his passing. And sometimes if something's not on, he'll pass it and move. And that's just... And Pete, I can see you smiling because you know, you know, we've got a special player on our hands, a well, really special player. Chris, Chris we go, go on, Tony. You, 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 you yes, can not only that with Bruno. I mean, if you watch him as well, when he's got the ball at his feet, if he's got a player come up, he can do a three sixty spin and carry that ball away from that player, and that player stood there thinking, "Hang on, where's he gone?" Yeah, you know, I mean, absolutely. He, he done a pirouette in the box against Brighton when. You know, Eddie Howe was shouting for it to be clear. Calmly pirouetted and took the ball out of the box. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but that's the confidence the guy's got. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, me and Chris, me and Chris had the conversation. I, I, I remember speaking to Chris. Like we, we were, I think, four, five, one down at the time. Yeah, yeah. We were just gathered yeah. at that point <laughs> in the game. We were, we were chatting, but the one thing that I said uh, to, to Chris at, at the Spurs game, um, I said to him, even in the second half when the game was gone. Tottenham can't get the ball off him. Every time he got the ball, they were kicking him. They were they were pulling his shirt. They had two or three men around him. They were doing everything they possibly. They were they were five one up, and yet they were still massively frustrated that they could not get the ball off him. And he just kept things ticking over, ticking over. And you you just look at him and you think, like, if he's in a team that dominates possession, he he's he's unplayable. He is unplayable because you just can't get the ball off him, like, and that's it. That's it. That's it. The that's at the best of times for the opposition, um, and he just the way he plays. The one thing I noticed about Bruno Camara is having watched him before, and obviously my brother in particular, who's a French journalist, watches him even yeah. closely. Um, and he, the one thing he, he always said to me about Bruno Camara is, is that he, he don't get he don't he doesn't get a massive amount of goals. He leaves that to Lucas Proqueta. Um, which I'm sure we'll get onto at some point. Um, he, he he leaves that the goal scoring to him, um, but he he doesn't really get many assists. But what you find with Bruno Gomez, he plays the pass before the assist. So he'll play the pass that allows the next player to get the assist in which the goal is scored. Yeah. And what you find in games is that he tends to do that. 
that he tends to play that ball. Um, and, and that's just something that's always kind of stuck with me because in a world and in the modern day football, it's all about stats. It's all about goals, assists, how many goals you scored, how many assists. If you don't get goals and assists, you're not a good player. It, it all tends to be built around that in modern day football. Never used to be, certainly is now. Um, after all of that, we can still see that he's an elite player. He doesn't get all the goals, he doesn't get all the assists, but yet we can see he's an elite player by the way in which he carries himself, the way in which he plays on the ball, the way in which he, he makes players better. I want to get onto Miggy in a second, but the one thing I'll say very quickly is that you saw Miggy play at a very different level at times on Friday night because of Bruno Gomez, and he makes players play better off the back of him. And I just thought, yeah, it was just, it was, it was amazing to, amazing, amazing, amazing to see. But um, Tony, uh, we've got three of the guests chomping at the yeah. bit, waiting to get on. Last points from you before we... Uh, yeah, before obviously, we we've got Leicester coming up Sunday, which I'm there for, and we've got um, Palace. There's no reason why we can't get six points out the next two games. I mean, when we play Leicester on Sunday, don't forget they're playing against a different Newcastle to what they played in December. Yeah, a lot different now. So, and, and, and then Eddie had only just been in the job a few weeks anyway. Are they in Europe on Thursday? Yes, because they drew nil nil with PSV in the first leg. So they go away to PSV on Thursday then before the Sunday yeah. game, Ooh. and that could potentially be extra time penalties. Having to go and get something as well. Yeah. Having to go and get something. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah, so that could play in our hands as well on Sunday. But hopefully we yeah. can beat Leicester and get a. We're unbeaten at home this year since the transfer window, yeah, since right. January. So, you know, apart from obviously the FA Cup blip with Cambridge United. But yeah, yeah we won't talk about that too. We won't <laughs> talk about that. But, um, no, if we get, but if if we can go for players in the summer, obviously our owners are quite good at what they can do in negotiations. If we can go back to Leon and say right. There's 40 million quid with it with add-ons to raise to 50 million. We'll take Paqueta now. I'll quite happily have him because he is something different, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and, you know, quickly about Miggy Almiron. I thought, yes, he did link up well on Friday with um, Bruno, but I don't think he'll be here after the summer. I think he, I think his race has run now. Um I think if we can get like someone like Paqueta coming in, then you know, happy days. He could be a good bargaining tool, Tony. I think we spoke about yeah. this uh, either on a loaded mag or it was on uh, it was on uh, one of the NUFC Master shows with me and Pete too. But I think um, I think Miggy Armadon will be an interesting one this year because he is a player who's definitely got value. He's a player who yeah. you know has still got time, you know, to to kind of make something of his career, and he's. He's probably a player who, if we approach another club and say, "Listen, how about Miggy Almiron plus money?" It, it could work for for both sides. So I I, I think Miggy Almiron could could potentially be used in a in a make weight deal. Because if I'm thinking, uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking too much elite player here, but I mean I don't know. Who knows? Um, what's the chance of going back to Sevilla? Not asking for Carlos, but saying, "Can we have Jules Kunde?" Right foot well, at centre half. Well, <laughs> I tell you, you know, what, you know what? That's I mean, a good that's what they did, didn't they? 
<laughs> All right. If Bruno Guimaraes is going to piss off uh, the top elite player teams in the Premier League, who's getting him from Seville? It's going to piss them off even more. So, we've been after him for three years. If we came with his stole in as our centre back in the summer, they would be absolutely screwing. There's no, there's no guarantee their clubs can be sold by then. So we could actually steal a march on them. Yeah, and get them yeah. quite early. So you know what, Tony? It's a great shout. No reason why not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks like Botman's going to AC Milan, doesn't it? So, it, yeah. so we've heard. So we've yeah. heard. Yeah, yeah. I would think crossed. It, it, until it's a sign and sealed deal. Yeah, exactly. Now, now we feel about Sven Botman. And until yeah. it's a sign and sealed deal, there is still hope. But if, look, and just to add, can I just add something on Sven Botman yeah. dead quickly, Tony, before you finish? Um, yeah. And I, am I not right in saying that there's only one? Person that Mirza Gaduzi, the uh, the you know the the husband of uh, Amanda Stavely, isn't the only one person that he follows on Instagram, a footballer who's not a Newcastle United player, and I'm sure that's Sven Botman. It is, yes. No, it is. So it's like, would that really happen if there hadn't been uh, discussions already been had? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. If yeah, the 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 point I was going to say was, if we didn't get Botman, would we go for Schlotterbeck because he's a left footed centre half and he's only 24, isn't he? Yeah, twenty two is yeah. something like that anyway. Is a great option. Yeah. I think um I think Borussia Dortmund are looking at him, and um I think I think he's he's keen on staying in in Germany. Um, I think Dortmund are looking to invest some of the potential Haaland money that they'll get in the summer on signing um uh Sosa back. So um I think I, I don't know about that one. That one might be a little bit more trickier because. Yeah. It's, it's so hard to get German player or German based players out of their leagues because the top teams in Germany tend to want to keep them in, in Germany. It is really, really difficult to get those players, but he's an outstanding talent. He would be more than a suitable um, alternative to Sven Botman, there's no doubt about that. Um, but look, this is the beauty of Newcastle United's new area in the, in the transfer windows because, look, me, you know me and Chris are going to be talking about this. We've got a whole summer planned on transfer talks um, and these are the kind of conversations we're going to yeah. have. There is no doubt about that. But um, look, for now, Tony, we have yeah. to park it there. No problem. As I, said, I, I knew you were going to before you came on. Great points, great discussion, as always. Um, and yeah, thank you for taking the time to come on. And yeah. fingers crossed. Well, firstly, first and foremost, enjoy the game on Sunday. I'll be there as well. Yeah. So um, enjoy I've the been game. Talking about it beforehand. So yeah, uh, hopefully I'll be able to uh, meet you in there for for a pint. Yeah. And um, fingers crossed, we're talking on here next Monday with another three points in the bag. Yeah, hope so because I travel back on Monday on the train. <laughs> but I love going home. That's that's the main thing. I call. I still call it home. I don't live there, but I still call it home. Because it always will be. And yeah, you're quite rightly. Yeah. Um, you, so you should as well. But um, yeah. until then, you take care, Tony. Speak to you soon. You too. See you later, lads. Take care, Tony. Bye-bye. See you later, mate. Good man, Tony. Great talking yeah. points. Um, and, and he's touched on a couple of points that I was going to um, come to you with, actually. Um, I was going to come to you with, with a, couple of, a couple of those points. Um, but we'll, um, I'll wait until later on. Um, because we've got another guest uh, who's been patiently waiting. Um, we've got a few in the back, but um, I'm going to bring him in now. Uh, a regular. I'm, I'm really interested to hear what he's he's got to say uh, on our fantastic win. And it's Alan. How are you doing, Alan? Great, lads. Great. Absolutely fantastic. 
Well, Chris Pete, this week it's been a roller coaster for me. Wednesday, Burnley beat Everton, and I was thinking, oh, I've got a little bit nervous. Friday, we won, I'm on a high. And then on Saturday, with Everton beating Man United, I was yeah. back to being a little bit nervous again because I was thinking Burnley would beat Norwich. And so our win would be like cancelled out. It would be down to seven points. So all in all, it's been one of them up, down, up, down. And I think it'll be a rare thing, Chris. It'll be a happy household back home with your partner being an Evertonian fan. So everybody yeah. in the household will be really happy there, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, uh, buzzing, absolutely buzzing. Yeah, yeah, they were really happy. I was trying to ground them all. I was saying, listen, yeah. it's only one win, but <laughs> it, it certainly helps, and it helps it helps cancel out that Burnley loss because obviously, you know, they, they were pretty down in the dumps yeah. over that. But yeah, I mean, oh, you know, they, they've given themselves an opportunity, and then obviously Burnley losing to Norwich um, mm. certainly makes things a lot easier as well. But it's still still uh, still quite a few games to go, and if Burnley somehow pick it up, then the yeah. back the back to square one again. Then. Uh-huh. Well, to be honest with you, Chris, after seeing Burnley on Sunday, I just I feel as though we're safe now because I just cannot see them w- winning four games out of eight when they've only won four all season. Uh, that's what it means, really. Um, you know, it means something that's it's just absolutely unbelievable if they get out of the mess they're in to catch up to us anyway. Uh, that's what it means, really. So I was delighted, absolutely delighted. Um, Pete, in the green room, you mentioned something about what would you take on uh, Friday night. And I know it's slightly off the point, um, but War Flags was absolutely tremendous. And if I was a 10-year-old, 12-year-old Chris Pete going in and there was a lot of youngsters where I was, it must be amazing. You know, if I was a youngster now going, I'd want to go again and again. So the future is looking brilliant. And Bruno took a young lad, I don't know if you saw Pete Chris, took a young lad out the crowd when Chris Wood scored to celebrate. That'll live with that young lad forever. Yeah. So that's a great moment as well. So it shows you. And the point being is, if you get the right character, and we've all raved so far, Tony made some great points. We've all raved about signings, but you've got to have the right attitude. Yeah, Chris, my heart sank when somebody mentioned about we're being linked with Pogba. I wouldn't buy him for all the money in China. We're being linked with Gerald Bowen. I know who I would want. No way. I wouldn't touch that. I'm not being funny, Chris. I put on my podcast, and I, I swear to God, the apparent Everton podcast is a beat Man United because that's the that was before the game. They are the worst Man United team I've seen in the Premier League era in 30 years. Their attitude Paul. stings. Yeah, it does. And the, the, they didn't believe us. They said, well, one person turned around, well, it's the worst Everton team they've ever had in their history. But I, I honestly, and when I saw Pogba, honestly, on the pitch, strolling around, I don't want big names that stroll around, Pete Chris. I want people that want to try. And that's why I love Conor Gallagher from Crystal Palace. And I do like uh, Jared Boone and West Ham. So any one of them, if they came in the summer, I'll be absolutely over the moon. And a little point, Sideshow, about, you know, like the player that you mentioned, uh, Peter Equeta. The thing is, again, it's on the Sideshow about the takeover is 
the bigger clubs, the big six, realised that Newcastle can now, can now, if they go in and say, Man United, Liverpool, whoever, will offer you £100,000 a week. We can come in and go, we'll offer you £120,000 a week. And they, the owners of these clubs didn't want that to happen. They yeah. didn't want, because they know now we can blow anybody out the water with wages. And it's up the, it's up the player if he wants to come or not. So, yeah. you know, not every player, top player, want to come to Newcastle. Not every top player want to come to Liverpool or Man United. But at least it gives you a chance to compete with them um, going forward. So, honestly, uh, you've got to have players with the right attitude. And I hope that, you know, you know now... I think we're safe. I hope they're now dealing with the future. And these seven games um, are very important. That's, I, I really do. For the attitude of the players, I hope they don't switch off and think on the beach. Mind, I did say it, Chris Pete, last week, if Everton and Burnley still need points, I would like the, the holler brochures in the in the back pocket of our players in the, in the, in the dressing room. Like. Um, but by and by... I do want to play uh, well for to the rest of the season, and we're going to have a massive see. I've just got that feeling, Chris Pete. We're going to have a massive see in the title, mind. I just think we're going to do something against one of them. Yeah, I really do. I really, I that, really do. I think that Liverpool game is going to be key, Alan. I yeah. think you're right. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Liverpool won't fancy coming to St James's no. Park. They really won't. I yeah. don't think anybody will. And um, yeah. you know. They're going, to, they're going to have to turn up and they're going to have to they're going to have to really grind and really put you know mm-hmm. put on a performance we all know what happened in the reverse fixture at anfield i was there um mm-hmm. and you know the mike dean show as, as we often refer to it as but you know eddie R will have them they'll have the lads in the dressing room and he'll be saying come on let's you know we can get something against these you know they'll want it and nerves their nerves will be will be heightened as well because this isn't the same yeah, newcastle sure. team that they're playing the, yeah. You know, we've got no, hopefully by that point, we've got nothing to lose. We'll mm-hmm. just go out there and we obviously want to finish as high on the table as we possibly can to attract, um, mm-hmm. you know, players in the summer. If we go and beat the likes of Liverpool at St. James's Park and people are watching, you say, well, look, we've beat Liverpool with this team. Imagine next season with you or you or you yeah. or you. And we're going to attract bigger players. And like you say, Alan, with the wages, um, you, you look at the projects that we've got next season, I mean, Man United, you could you, you're looking at teams like Liverpool and City, and if they say a say they go for a player, they're going to be saying, oh, you know, you'll be part of a squad, or you can join Newcastle where you're part of a new exciting project, and we go, you're the main man, you're going to be in the eleven. Liverpool yeah. and City can't promise that. Yeah, oh, spot on, Chris, spot on. I mean, you know, it's like it's it's that point that you made there is is valid. I mean, I don't know if you watch the Man City uh, Liverpool game. They are two class teams. They made mistakes, but it showed you the level that them two are at and the rest of we've got to follow. The standards they've got. I mean, they quite could easily win all the seven games left, both of them. Oh, yeah, both of them. Yeah. To, be, yeah. to be fair to them, they're that good. Um, but getting off the, that point, lads, Elliot Anderson's uh, North turning it up. He scored again. Um, do you think you'll have a future at Newcastle going forward? If we're going for players like Bruno Gomeras in the future, it's, 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 you know, one of them quandaries. I'm wondering if he will make it at Newcastle. 
even though he's tearing it up in the lower leagues. I hope he does. And then he goes forward and builds on it. Um, it's, I don't know what you think and if going forward in the future, whether he will or not. And Matty Longstaff's doing the same at Mansfield. So there's two young lads really doing well at a fair, fair play at a lower level. But they are tearing it up there. Um, so that's it. Them two lads are ones to look out for to see if they can make the grade. Um, I think I think we'll see, um, and I don't know, Pete. I don't know what you think about this, but I I think we'll see the likes of Elliot Anderson, Matty Longstaff. I think going forwards, you know, we're we're going to see a lot more organisation in terms of when we're loaning players out. Like next yeah. season, I would like to see both of those lads get a get a chance at a championship side, um, and then we'll really see whether or not you know they can they can cut it. I mean, if they start performing like they are now in the championship side, that's when we'll probably sit up and go, okay. Um, yeah. And then who knows? They might end up, um, you know, in two or three years' time. If we're at the top ends of the Premier League, which is where we want to be, we may, you know, uh, loan them out to a, a newly promoted side. You know, like Billy Gilmore, who's got time at Norwich. Mm-hmm. Um, Conor Gallagher's had time at Palace. Yeah. You know, teams like that. And then obviously, if the, if they perform really well, like next season, you would think, wouldn't you, that Chelsea would bring Conor Gallagher back? And really, they should throw him straight into the squad for next season. Or, like you say, uh, Alan, you know they've got that, they've got a plethora of fantastic players already. Chelsea, if they can't offer them first team football, they'll have to let them go. But wouldn't it be great if we could have like an Elliot Anderson in the middle of the in the middle of the park for us going forward? It'd be great. Mm-hmm. But what are your thoughts on that, Pete? Um, I think Elliot Anderson is one hundred percent got a future at Newcastle United. I am. Um, I do. I envision him being in the first team. Next season, no, I don't. I think he'll get part of a pre-season with us. I think if we go on a pre-season tour away somewhere, I think he'll be part of that squad because I think any good manager and certainly Eddie Howe will want to do this is firstly have a look at him. A little bit like what um, uh, Mikel Arteta did with Joe Joe Willock. He Mm -hmm. took him away. He had a look at him after he had a really good run with his on loan um, uh, for his last season. And then made the decision, right, okay, yeah, we're going to sell you on, we need the money, blah, blah, blah. I think what we will do is have a look at him and think, right, is he ready for us right now? I don't think he's quite ready for Premier League football right now. However, I think what you'll find is, is that he'll probably go and play championship football next season. He'll probably jump a couple of levels, I think, because he's ready for it. And I think I'd be surprised if championship teams are not already looking at him. I think it was rumoured that he was going to go to Luton. Um, on loan at some point in this January in January transfer window, he ended up obviously going to Bristol Rovers. If he'd have gone to Luton and played the way he's now, Luton had been fighting at the top end of the table. They've had a great season. He could have been, you know, really showcasing his abilities, which maybe would have kicked him on another level. But I do think, and actually, what was really interesting, I don't know who mentioned it, but there was a there was a conversation that potentially, you know. It could be because I know we've got a real interest in Brendan uh, Johnson uh, from from Forest, uh, the right winger, and it could be a case of you know if we did put a bid in to take him away from Forest because he's going to leave Forest if they don't get uh, promoted this season. Like he's he's too good for the Championship. He's a fantastic young talent, and uh, could that be a makeway in that deal? Is that we give them Elliot Anderson on loan for a season or two? Yeah. Uh, as part yeah, of that yeah. deal, I thought yeah, that yeah. was—I I, I can't remember where I saw that—and I thought, mm, 
that that's that's a really that's a really interesting concept there that could potentially work um so yeah uh, i'm interested in that matty longstaff is also played well at mansfield he's doing very very well um i actually think and it sounds really weird me saying that i actually think elliot anderson is probably slightly further ahead um mm -hmm. in terms of getting an opportunity and a long-term stint in the first team than matty longstaff yeah. um I think Matty Longstaff's next loan spell will be key where he goes. I think he also should be looking at least League One, certainly Championship for his next step. The problem being is because he's now, as a centre midfielder, going up against a rejuvenated John Joe Shelby, um, a, a kind of repositioned jo, uh, Joe Linton, um, an outstanding Bruno Gomerez. You've got Joe Willett that's biting, biting uh, you know, chomping and biting for for a chance in the team you've got sean longstaff his brother that's you know possibly and most likely to sign a new contract i just think for him as a centre midfielder he's he's a little bit down the pecking order um in order to break into that team and the fact that we're looking at adding another top class midfielder to that list you know he's going to be behind a, he's going to be behind an isaac hayden and Isaac Hayden's got no chance of getting into this first team. Yeah. No, 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 no. So, so that's what makes me think that Matty Longstaff is slightly behind, or quite a bit behind, actually, if I'm, if I'm being honest. Um, Elliot Anderson, who can play further up the pitch. You could probably play him just off the left, just off the right. Um, and in a formation, potentially just behind the striker. So, yeah, I just think... I just think um, that's kind of where it stands. But it's great to have a, a talent like Elliot Anderson playing very, very well um, on loan. And it's nice to have a loan stint that's actually going well for a change. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is because we've we failed a lot of players on loans in previous years. And Shodan Miobi has a lot of questions to answer with regards to that. Um, because he's failed a lot of players, Freddie Woodman being one of them. Freddie Woodman will leave us in the summer, there's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. And he'll leave us having failed in his stint at Newcastle United because he should be, at this point, in my opinion, a regular Premier League goalkeeper. And we haven't given him the loans and we haven't managed him well enough for him to be successful the way in which we want him to be. Mm -hmm. So that disappoints me, but Elliot Anderson certainly excites me as a player. Yeah. I mean, one thing, lads, um, I, I don't think some people realise how great a job Eddie Howe's done. On the 1st of December, we were bottom of the league, played 14, drew 7, lost 7, 6 points from safety, and to now be virtually assured is just incredible. I sometimes look at the table and realise myself how great a job he's done. And you had a great point as well, Chris Pease, about other teams I heard the same off Aston Villa when we beat them 1-0. We played rubbish. Yeah. Other teams, we've stifled them, lads. We've actually stopped them from playing. If you can imagine, a late winner, Everton scored a late winner, Chelsea scored a late winner against we. Yes, we're sick. But if them had been 0-0 draws, oh, our defence has been absolutely superb since January. Absolutely superb. Apart from the Tottenham game, and even then till half-time, it was going to script and then we fell into the trap like i said last week was we fell into tottenham's trap their counter-attacking team and the demolished in the second half but apart from that lads it's been absolutely fantastic turnaround and i went on the wolves podcast and they were all saying that's the poorest game they've played all season and i'm thinking 
but we didn't allow you to play either. Uh, and I think that's where the credit's due to Eddie Helms' backroom staff. They've really done their homework on the teams we're playing, and long may it continue. Um, I think that's a great point that you hit, Pete, about other teams. You know, like we don't we don't give our own team enough credit at times. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. Definitely, definitely a great point. Well, I'll let you go, lads, because I haven't put 50 pence in the meter for the electric, electric so I'll have to put <laughs> I'm soon you get dark and dark on the background, lads, and I want, I want to shoot away, but I'm getting like Kieran used to be, like, on the podcast. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm getting like Kieran every day, but uh, Target done well again. I mean, Target done well again. <laughs> On, on Friday, the whole team played solidly, lads. And when it was half time, I thought there's going to be one goal in it either way. If it went the Wolves, we would have been distraught. It went our way this time, and against Everton and uh, Chelsea, it went against it. So we're really, really, you know, sickened by it. But no, things are looking up, lads. And long may it continue. Three points on Sunday, uh, and I'll let you go because other people on the podcast want to get on. Cheers, lads. Thank you. Top man. Pleasure as always, Alan. Definitely. I've put 50 pence in the electric medal now. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, Alan. Top man. Take care, Alan. See you later, mate. Brilliant. Love, Alan. Uh, He's literally got to go and put something in the lucky. Oh, yeah. yeah I was like, yeah, that was yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the, the light flashes on. Love it. Oh. Uh, great from, from Alan. But you know what? He raised a couple of really, really good points um and one of them was about kind of the 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 other teams he touched on he touched on the fact that obviously the reason why teams didn't want the takeover is because they knew if they came in with a player for example and it would be like right we want this player we're going to offer them 120,000 a week or i think alan said 100,000 a week that we'd go right okay we can offer you 120 and i don't yeah, I 100% agree with that point. I really, really do. Um, I think there's a little bit more to that. I think that not only can we offer, you know, they want 100, 100 grand a week, we offer 120. It's not just about money, which is what the media portray in that, yeah, yeah they're it's just not. going for the money. It, the key word is project. In world football right now, players want to know they are part of something that's going to grow and build into something. You look at what PSG did over a 10-year period when they got uh, Pastore, uh, Javier Pastore is one of their first signings, Julian Draxler, Edison Cavani, uh, Ibrahimovic, Marquinhos, all these players, uh, Thiago Silva, that they built over a period of time. And every single one of those players said, we're coming because of the project. We know what they want to build. We know what they want to, where they want to go. They haven't quite got there. The aim was the Champions League. They haven't quite got there. But for us, our building is very different because whereas they can potentially walk a domestic league, we can't. So we have to plan to build a project that can not only get into Europe, Europa Conference, Europa League, Champions League, win the league potentially, and then look for the Champions League after that. We've got a, build, a bigger building project there, there to be a part of. And there isn't, for any player, you, you, anybody has the conversation with Vincent Company. If he has an interview now with Sky and he said, you know, why did you choose 
Man City. He could have gone to anywhere else. Man United were interested. Arsenal. Or other teams that were potentially ahead of them at that particular point in time. Why did you go to Man City? And I can guarantee you that he'd talk about the project and what they wanted to build and being a part of something. Bruno Guimaraes, in the way in which he talks, the way in which he comes across, talks exactly the same way. So it's not just about the money. The media may portray it like that. So many you know, poor, poorly educated uh, pundits on Newcastle United say the same, right? they've just gone for the money, just gone for the money. It's the project. It's actually building something. And the fact that Trippi has talked about the project in such a positive light and he, he's so excited about what the potentials are with our project. The fact that a player that's not even signed for Newcastle at this moment in time in Sven Botman felt the need to put a statement out on the back end of the transfer window to talk okay. about, you know, the fact that he was keen to come to Newcastle and he again talked about the project, tells everyone in world football that there's a project there and there's something exciting in Newcastle. And I really think that that is one of the things that eats them up. Not just that we can financially match them and overpower them in most cases, it's the fact that we have something worth building. Manchester United, that Alan quite rightly touched on, are, are completely in the mud right now. That was a disgraceful, a disgraceful performance from from Manchester United. You look at the individual talent of players that they've got in that team and the way they performed. You could tell within 10 minutes they were going to lose the game. They were never, ever going to win that game because none of their players were playing well enough, uh, were, were good enough in that game. Uh, they were absolutely dreadful uh, for 90 minutes. Um, who's going to really... Yes, they're going to a club with stature, but who's going to really go to Man United in the summer, knowing that their team are playing like that? Like that was embarrassing. You know, it, it was it was so bad. Um, and yeah, I, I just think for, from our point of view, we've got a lot of good selling points. And I know Ian McKenna has just put in there. Botman agreed terms with an English, uh, sorry, an Italian team. Um, AC Milan supposedly is that team because of their links with AC Milan and and Lille. Um, it's not guaranteed yet. Yeah, he, I think he's. I think he's agreed terms with us as well. I think he's probably agreed to. I think it's probably all agreed. If we agree a fee with Lille, then you will sign this for this much. This is. I think it was all agreed in January, but I just don't yeah. think we could get the deal done with the club. I. I think, you, like you say, that with that statement that he issued, um, you know, if you read the statement back, he talks about Newcastle and then says, oh, and yeah, and the AC Milan project's really interesting as well. So he doesn't shut the door on AC Milan. But his first words are talking about Newcastle. And I, I think if we want him, we get him. Yeah. I, I think it's as simple as that. He's, he's, he's a, Sven Botman is a, is a smart young man. And he knows that AC Milan... Uh, sorry, he knows that his club currently, Lille, wants him to go to AC Milan because of the relationship that they have with their owners. If anyone doesn't know why they've got good ownership, um, a good relationship with, the, with each other, is that they were bailed out for a huge debt within their club um, by AC Milan uh, a while back. Um, and because of that, they feel indebted to, to AC Milan and their owners have got a really good relationship on the back of that. So that's why Lille want um, Sven Botman to go to AC Milan. Not because it's a financially better package. It won't be. It'll be nowhere near the money that we offered in January and it won't be anywhere near the money that we're going to offer in, in the summer. Lille are in a better position to offer or, or accept the offer that we give them. But 
they've got a friendship, they've got an agreement, they've got a, um, a, a kind of an understanding there, and that's key in any deal. And that's why a lot of people are saying, you know, there are the dark arts playing playing within the football world at the moment because it's not about how much money you offer, it's not about what the player wants, it's about what the ownership wants. If Sven Botman was given an option, I think he'd want to come to a project. Yes, yeah. AC Milan are playing Champions League football, but I think Sven Botman was really keen to be part of something bigger. Um, AC Milan may well play Champions League football next season, but AC Milan also have the opportunity to fall fifth, sixth or seventh in Serie A next season as well and drift away from European football. They have that up and down mentality, whereas we're going one way. And we're pushing in a different direction. So I think it's all to play for still. Until it's guaranteed, um, you know, it, we we have to we have to assume that that, that 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 is still in play at this moment in time. Um but yeah, there's a couple of other points that I want to raise, but but I want to get this done now before we get our next two guests on. So, you know, um uh, at this point it, it's a case of um taking uh, a very much a, a deep breath. Uh, let, let's prepare ourselves um, and make <laughs> sure that we're ready um, because uh, we are getting to uh, the uh, sponsors. So, um, a little bit new uh, from here. So, uh, Spider Miner, um, um, obviously um, a sponsor that, that have been a massive support, but obviously under a different name um, for your internet security. They are the ones to trust. Um, if you want your um, your internet being protected um, on your computer online, uh, Spider Miner are the ones to go to. So again, a new fancy um, little bit of promotion there. Um, very very good to see. Uh, Skipsandbins.com. Uh, telephone zero eight zero zero. Two five four five two five three emails and inquiries at skipsandbins.com website www.skipsandbins.com easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. We have LNG Family Funeral Directors. Uh, please contact them uh, if you need zero one nine one three eight nine seven two four five. We also have uh, Gardening of Healing Dispensaries. Um, CBD, um, hemp and cannabinoid specialist, uh, www.thegohd.com. We also have um, the very uh, well-known Arcot Interiors. So Arcot Interiors, uh, big shout out to Chris and the, and the lads. Uh, Google Arcot Interiors for top class kitchens. He's already in the chat tonight. We've already seen him once or twice. Uh, John Justice Allen. Um, uh, we're here to promote qtech.co.uk uh, um, for your pool tables and super tables in Walls and Newcastle. Um, they are the ones to go to. We have our new sponsor. Uh, we have uh, Clickeye. Um, so if you're interested in the new game, thanks to Klikai, uh, you can find Klikai at klikairun.game, um, Google Play or App Store. Meet the new game over screen. Drop into a Klee Run device near you. We also have Jab Signature. Um, 
massive support from Jab Signature. Thank you for your support. Um, fantastic um, clothing line. Uh, get yourselves involved in that. Uh, still available online. Thanks to Media Arts for all your media support um, in all things NUFC matters. We also have Newcastle Legends. Like, comment, and share um, each of the shows um, so other people can see uh, what NUFC matters is all about. Um, and also click that subscribe button, just that red button, as you can see on the bottom of the screen, um, and join the cult, as we always say. And if you haven't been able to watch live, um, click the um, iTunes and Spotify, normally available 24 hours or so, just after um, the show has been on live, and you can join um, and listen to all of the different shows that are on throughout the week. We also have uh, a scan to buy, uh, NUFC Matters membership pack. So on your phone, you can scan the barcode and, and you can use the, um, the enter into a prize draw, which is on a monthly draw. There's been a, another draw recently. Um, I'm sure there'll be many more um, upcoming in the weeks to come. And this is what you can win. Um, if you want to become a court member, NUFC Matters member, um, lots and lots of fantastic gifts and part of the membership pack. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, um, Chris. Subscribe to the show and receive a free car window sticker. Um, so uh, another little um, fancy little addition there that you can get. If you haven't already, on match days, come and join the Dog and Parrot. Um, and music, drinks and pool at Newcastle upon time. Uh, myself and Chris have been before. Great to meet with some of the um, uh, NUFC Matters fans. Um, and it's great to have um, uh, Supermat as part of that uh, initial match build-up uh, for his talking, get to ask him questions, get to meet him um, and be a part of the atmosphere as it builds. If you're not able to give to the um, Newcastle uh, Fans Food Bank uh, on the day, we have uh, the match day bucket. So um, go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and you can as well um, give a little something as part of the match day bucket if you're not able to um, go and show your support to the fantastic uh, volunteers um, who give their time every match day um, to support the Newcastle Fans Food Bank. Okay, so um, uh, this was a fantastic event um, that was on the 9th of April, really, really successful. Um, I know Steve's talked about it as well. Um, obviously, you can't buy tickets because it's already happened, but um, great to see that it was a fantastic event shared by all. And as well, 1st of May, uh, St. James's Park, 2 o'clock kickoff, Newcastle United's women's against Barnsley women. Uh, make sure that we um, go and show our support. Um, for the Newcastle United women's team. And of course, haven't got the fly tonight, but me and the main man over there, Loaded HQ, uh, lots to come this week and in the weeks to come. Uh, lots of new guests. Um, so please, please give Loaded HQ um, a subscribe. Um, go and watch some of the previous videos we've had um, this week. 
uh, fantastic away days. I know it was a build-up to the Wolves game, but some of the yeah. tactics and some yeah, of the, really cool. the, the points from Dave from um, the Wolves podcast, Talking Wolves, great talk. We had our first birthday. We've yes. got the birthday bash. We've got the the, the show with, with Pete Graves from Sky Sports. Fantastic shows. If you haven't checked it out, check out Lodi HQ. Just click the, the subscribe button and come and join the Lodi family uh, where we talk all things NUFC. And that is that. Right. Um, let's get down to it. We've got a few more guests uh, ready to come on. And um, I know we're going to talk a little bit uh, about one or two question points. Chris, yeah, we've but... got loads of questions, Pete. Loads yeah, and loads. Definitely. And do you know what, by the way, just to add, lots, lots of love, Pete, for, you know, you're reading out the adverts. I think you did it in just under eight minutes there, mate. So fair, fair play. Emmett, Emmett put a comment on before it was making me laugh. It was like, Pete, are you ready for the ads? <laughs> that was about 10 minutes into the show. It's funny. He, he oh, knew it was yeah. coming. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think last I think it was last week, um, Keith Rowe said, I think I did it in eight eight minutes and sort of 15 seconds. <laughs> so if it was under eight minutes, I'll it take that. It's getting quicker yeah. and quicker. Uh, just goes well. to show how quickly um, I remember things and run through things with regards to the ads. But look, we're at the point now where we're um, going to welcome on uh, a welcomed, a welcome back guest. Um, hasn't been around for a couple of weeks, but great to see him back on and to talk all things Newcastle United. It's Jimmy Moore. How are you doing, Jimmy? I'm great. I'm great. I mean, I'm really really glad to see you made it you know you're getting better at the adverts because... <laughs> sure I mean, he was to me. jesus christ i mean <laughs> ben jacobs could get through that quicker than you could i mean damn <laughs> oh god i try my best i try my best okay and, okay well i'm gonna make this brief because my wife is gonna kick my ass because She's waiting by Cohiba cigar and my tequila for, oh. for my birthday today. So, oh, happy me, birthday, me, and happy Amanda, birthday. me and Amanda, it's our it's our birthdays today. Amanda yes. Stable. So, um, but yeah, um, Wolves. Um, on my, I tweeted, I tweeted that we were gonna win because. Wolves are basically like us with a defense because coming into that game, we both only scored 30, 33 goals on the season. But their defense is much better than our, at the time, minus, uh, minus 21 goal differential. So if we would have any, any sort of defense, at the first of the the year, who knows where we could be? I mean, they're they're ch- challenging for Europe, and we're fighting, re- you know, relegation. Mm-hmm. So that's how quickly one or two players can can turn this whole thing around. And it's the the first game where I actually saw Chris Wood not be a target player. He was running. He was making himself available. He was hitting the channels. I mean, and I mean, I didn't think 
he had that kind of wheels on him. Um, so I can't bash Wood and Bruno. Bruno's Bruno. Um, but my my man of the match is you know going to be Miggy. I love him. <laughs> um, and I'm not one hundred percent sure now that we'll we'll sell him off because I think Eddie for one likes him and Bruno's gonna be the face of this team. Mm-hmm. Who works well with Bruno and basically who he likes is gonna go a long way. Mm-hmm. And if I can keep seeing that performance out of Miggy, I mean, you have to have a squad. I mean, you have to have some quality coming off the bench. I mean, why not keep him around another year? Uh, If he can keep producing, I mean, Spain or back to the MLS is always going to be an option for him. But if we do get rid of him, I don't think it will be until the end of the transfer window depend depending on who we can get in yeah if we don't get in who we want i i fully expect to see them around for another year uh but it was it i mean it was a great game it's just you know wolves to me don't scare me and the run of home fixtures we have coming up. I mean, hell, six points. We're done. Close the book on the season. Because I don't see anybody in that bottom three getting enough points, and Everton can't win away from home. So, so that's it. Yeah, that's a that's that's all I have to say. I'd said you get back back on because you know I've been enjoying this weather a little too a little too much and yeah. <laughs> Looks lovely where you are, Jimmy. I was gonna say oh. you've enjoyed it so much you wanted to share it with us and I think the last time you came on it was like Blue skies everywhere, oh, beaming hot. Yeah. You yeah. just, you, you just, you'd sport is too much that you thought, right? I'll have a couple of weeks. Yeah. Out. It's a little, a little overcast right now, but it's still seventy-five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just the casual seventy-five. No. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, so we're on. Oh, my other breaking news is. Um, we're in the, the process of me and my wife and getting the nurses together that it looks like I may be hopping back on a plane to Newcastle in September. Oh, yeah. I um, love it. So, and all my, my Twitter fans, I expect to see you out and you can buy me a pint. 
Jimmy, you'll have to let, you'll have to let us know, Jimmy, when you when you plan on coming up, and we'll see we'll see if we can get to Newcastle for that because it'd be uh, it'd be lovely to meet you in person. And I'm sure Pete Legay, you know, if we can we can get ourselves to Newcastle, it, it'd be fantastic to meet you. Definitely. Yeah, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed. So, um, but you guys, uh, nice to be back on, and time for a little Patron, and you all enjoy. Yeah, mate, and you enjoy your birthday as well. Yeah. Enjoy the rest I, of the day. And thank, thank you to every everyone who sent me birth, birthday wishes. Um, the Jordy Nation up there. God bless you. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Uh, Jimmy, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. Enjoy your birthday. Um, yes. it, it, you know, fully, fully deserved. And you know what? That's been my day. Fantastic to hear that you could potentially be coming over to Newcastle. Um, you'll have to keep it, keep in touch with us. Let us know when it could potentially be, what potential game it could be. Because, like Chris has just said, it'd be amazing to be able to meet up with you and and um, yeah, before the game um, and and after, it'd be great to kind of spend a bit of time with you face to face. That's for sure. Definitely. Well, I hope so because I'm damn sure not going to Liverpool. <laughs> 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 no, I'll make sure I'll make sure I come to Newcastle and see you, Jimmy. <laughs> you Jimmy, you take care. We'll speak to you soon. All right. All right. Have a good day. Love you, you, mate. Take care. Happy birthday, mate. See you later. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Always love to put the boot in where he can. Um, yeah, Gary Gary's so right there, isn't he? He always puts a smile on everyone's face. Yeah. Absolutely. Great to see. But you know what? You know what, Jimmy, you made two fantastic points, and I'm so glad. And I thought Jimmy would say this tonight. When I saw him in the green room, I thought he was going to mention this, and it was about Miggy Almiron. Obviously, with his American connections being in the MLS, uh, Jimmy kept an eye on him before he obviously came to Newcastle. And I I had that same feeling myself, and I don't know about you, Chris, but the way in which Miggy played, and I alluded to it earlier on in the show, that I felt that Miggy played in a certain in a way in which we haven't seen him play before the way in which he connected the way in which he um you know had that understanding with bruno gamares um was on an on a level that i haven't seen him play before and actually even in the build-up to friday's game the way in which um eddie howe has spoken about miggy Almiro, he's spoken about him in such a positive light that it makes me think you know is he really a player that that we're going to let go of, which then brings me to this question, not just to you, Chris, but um, primarily to you, Chris, but but to everyone in the chat, is that, you know, if there is going to be a, a winger that leaves the club, uh, you know, is it going to be Miggy Almiron or could it, could, could it well be Jacob Murphy? And is this what he's been doing in recent weeks? Because if you think about it, in recent weeks, he's given Jacob Murphy a run of games as if to say, show me what you've got, show me what you're about and give him a few games to have a proper look at. And now it seems like, you know, with Jacob Murphy also on the bench and ready to play, he's gone with Miggy Almiron as if to say to Miggy, show me what you've got and show me what you're about. And personally, I thought Miggy played well. I thought he had a good game. I thought, you know, he really stretched the fences. I thought he linked up the play well. I thought, you know, he had one or two half chances. And it could well be that he's maybe weighing up as if to say, right, I'm not going to keep both of you. I might keep one of you. Who is it going to be? 
Um, and he sells one. And with that replacement, he brings in an elite replacement on the wing as that person's replacement who leaves leaves the club. You know, am I wrong to think that, or, or or have you got a different kind of you know idea of where it might be going? No, no, I think I think you're right, Pete. I mean, there's only so many spaces in the squad for next season. I think we know that, mm. and you, you, well, you'll know over over the over the last couple of years, Pete. You know that I've always kind of defended Miggy Armadon. Um, of late, I've kind of become a bit frustrated with him because I do want to see more from him. But you're quite right. You know that that performance at the weekends. Um, he, he kind of showed the promise that we originally saw when he came when he first came in under under Rafa. Um, and well, I say under Rafa, he came in. He came in under. Oh, did, did he come in under Rafa? Did didn't he? Maybe. Was it just yeah, shortly? Yeah, yeah it was. It was, it was, it was, it was that was Rafa's last sign, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I've always liked Miggy, and the reason I like him so much is because of the effort and the endeavour and the fact that you know he always puts a shift in. Um, and I tell you what, Pete, I, I got I got confused during the game. But I I actually thought it was Bruno Gomeres who did that little you know the pullback and the and the the flick, if you like. I'm trying mm. to think of what it's actually called, but you know when he drags it back and flicks it down. Yeah. And um, I, 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 I thought, oh my god, Bruno, you know that was amazing. And then when I saw the replay and saw it was Miggy, I thought, great, this, this is exactly what we've missed from him. This is what we haven't seen from him. You know that that confidence, um, because we know he's got, there's something there with Miggy. There's definitely something there. I think it's just about putting him in the right position. I don't think he's a winger. I think somebody somebody mentioned that. Yeah, Leon said, I don't think Miggy's a winger. He's a number ten, and I agree. I think you need Miggy in the middle, but the way that we set up doesn't really appeal to him because I don't see him in the middle of the park, you know, in the way that we play. Um, he probably is a number 10. That's probably his best position. But when you're a number 10, you know, we, we were talking earlier, you know, about Lucas Paqueta, you need goals, you need assists, you need someone who's going to constantly, um, you know, be a goal threat. And unfortunately, Miggy's not shown that. Could he show it? Who knows? It would, you know, it would be, it would be great. Um, and I, I do want to see Miggy do well. And if you were forcing me, Pete, and you said, would you rather get rid of Jacob Murphy or Miggy? I'd get rid of Murphy every time um, because I'm not sure as much as, you know, he's a Geordie Lars and I want him to do well. And I'm, I'm, I've got no doubt that, you know, he puts the effort in. I think out of the two of them, I think Miggy's got more potential. Uh, and I, I could see Miggy, you know, pushing on and doing that bit more. And hey, you know, as a as a substitute, having having the likes of Miggy Armand on coming on, um, you know, some some of his pressing Pete's ridiculous. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. He just doesn't stop, does he? Um, and I think that's why I've always made excuses for him in the past. Because a player who you see working his absolute socks off and trying his best, it it's hard to criticize. Um, and if he can just source out his end products or just learn to put his head up and just do a simple pass sometimes, I think sometimes he tries to do too much. And you think, you know, you've got that work, you've got that endeavour. A bit like what Joe's been doing, Big Joe, Joe Linton in the middle of the park. Pick up the ball, get it back, give it, and give it to somebody else. Maybe maybe that's what we need to see more from Miggy. Maybe he's, you know, trying to do too much, I don't know. But yeah, I, no, I completely agree. And it was lovely to see him play so well in his in his cameo. Yeah, I, I, just, I, would, I would love Miggy to be more selfish. Yeah. Um, he, he gets himself some, into some good positions and rather than like either run at a defender and really commit the defender going the other way or drive at them and have a shot at goal or it, you know instead of kind of like bending the ball into the far corner it will try a simple pass or keep possession and play it backwards rather than look forwards like just that little bit of a just add a little bit of an edge to him sometimes it can be quite predictable 
Um, but like you just like you said, Chris, you're absolutely right. His pressing is is uh, you know, at times it can be unmatched in this team. Yeah. The way yeah. in which he runs absolutely. at speed um, to press players, you know, their fullbacks, their 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 left back. I can't remember who it was, but their left back on Friday, Johnny. Did not, yeah, didn't get didn't get any time on the ball yeah. whatsoever. Um, because every time they picked up, whether it was a centre back uh, or one, well, one of the back three that played on the left hand side, I think it was Kilman who played on the left side back at uh, the back three, um, or their left wing back, like he just didn't give him an inch. He, he was there. They had literally three seconds max on the ball before they needed to release it. Otherwise, Miggy was on their tail, and that's what you want from attacking players. You want them to commit players to ensure that they're having to play a lot quicker. And when teams play a lot quicker under pressure, they tend to make more mistakes, which helps the rest of our team moving forward. So, yeah, really, really interesting point that. Uh, um, and definitely want to keep an eye on with Miggy in the next few weeks. With Ryan Fraser having a hamstring injury, there were a few questions about Ryan Fraser. What's the situation? It look, it was a hamstring injury. You could tell straight the way, the way he pulled up if you were watching it on, on TV. Um, I would say it'd be a minimum of two weeks. I'll say the earliest we'll see him back is probably the Norwich game, if he's fit to come back at the Norwich game. But for me, I think it might be after that. Uh, for the next couple of games after that, it'll probably be available, yeah. which gives Miggy three games now, potentially, to play um, mm -hmm. and to show his worth. So it's a great opportunity for Miggy. Like Dan Burns had earlier on in the season, like Matty Targets had, like, the, like Emil Crafts had. Um, who also should get yeah. some fantastic praise. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, he's another one that we can talk about uh, in a bit, uh, Emil Kraft. But um, um, mindful, we've got a couple of guests that we need to get on. Um, yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll bring in um, uh, the very famous Sky Sports um, uh, 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 guest who uh, was in the backgrounds on Friday, if I'm right in thinking. Maybe he'll confirm that for us when he comes on. But I noticed it straight away, and I think a few in the chat have mentioned it as well. But we'll bring him in. Welcome in. Darren, how are you? Hello, you know, hello, Chris. Yeah, I was in the background of Sky Sports on Friday. <laughs> Good man. I, I, was, I was watching, I was watching, obviously, <laughs> um, obviously, NUFC Matters, uh, Holly Blades, and, and uh, True Face, Emil, um, Alex Hurst, and, and Adam uh, were on there talking to Carragher, and they did a, they did a great job. Uh, it was a really, really interesting talk, and I liked the, the chat. Um, I like the fact that Carragher's gone back and had that conversation with them. I, I would like that to be an ongoing feature with the way in which our club moves forward going into next season and beyond. I like that to be kind of a, a continued feature. But um, one thing I couldn't get my head around is that I'm pretty sure that's NUFC Matters, Fans Forum, Darren. <laughs> Uh, representing the masses uh, it's it, it as Bar um, yeah. and I'm glad you confirmed that was you but uh, <laughs> yeah it was, it, it, was, it was I was waiting for my brother and, you know and then they just come down but things don't are because I'm on Sky Sports News I've got a few text messages and all that saying <laughs> brilliant stuff no um, no I was Friday right ESM I know Pete I know you love him but to me he hasn't got a clue what he's doing he's he just doesn't do nothing. He's. We were talking on um, Saturday to Malcolm Martin a few people. We were saying, if he wants dropped, get £50 million, we'll drop him off. And, and and when he got subbed, a lot of people didn't clap him off. And a lot of people did they just, well, a few people clapped them, but not many. Didn't, I, I, I didn't get clapped. I think, I think he's dreadful. He just doesn't release the ball. In the 92nd minute, he had a chance to go to the corner flag. He wanted to take a shot. 
Do you know what I mean? Like kill the time, got the corner flag. Um, Kraft had a good game, mind you. And Bruno, obviously Bruno's man of the match. But I mean, Kraft he had a, a good game. What do you think? Uh, for me, I, I thought Kraft was very, very good. Um, if anyone's watched uh, Lodi HQ away days um, that I, that I had on 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 the Thursday, um, I actually on on the tactics board I had Mankilio to start, but I did say it would not surprise me at all if Kraft starts because it seems like there's a lot of trust been built with Emil Kraft recently yeah. in the way yeah. in which he's playing. I don't think he's put a foot wrong. I think that the fact that um, I think the fact that you know he's been given a lot of game time. And the fact that, you know, he seems to have built and developed confidence in, in his own game really seems to be coming coming through. This is the best I've seen Emil Kraft play in a Newcastle shirt since he signed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought he had a very, very good game. And, yet yeah, you know, we, we talk about all the little things, but another clean sheet for Emil Kraft ticked off. Um, you know, with, with the other with the other three lads at the back, I thought he, I thought he was very good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think Kraft didn't get enough chance in the Bruce. He just didn't get like regular first team football. On Eddie, he's getting a lot more chances. He's just come good. He's like it's just a, like a new player, really, for us. And he's just doing everything right. Do you not think it's it's down to coaching? Do you not yeah, think yeah, it's down yeah, to yeah. Don't coaching. Yeah, I think Eddie's just well. Eddie's so like you. You see how the players are positioned and everything. He does that. He has some position. If don't do right anything and train right, that he does it again. And every player knows where they are playing. They know what they're going to do on, on set pieces and defending corners, free kicks. He has every player know where they're going to be, and they go so much in depth. What he does, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Uh, it's definitely one to look at. I mean, look, let, let's face it. And Chris coming on this one as well. I think everyone thought when the takeover went through that Emil Crafts out the door. But you know, and he he was he was one of them. I think I think we did a list a couple of weeks ago, Chris. Uh, someone asked the question, "Who do you think is going to be leaving Newcastle in the summer?" I think we might have reeled off about ten or twelve players, and Kraft would be one of them. But I'll ask the question to you, to both Darren and you, Chris: Is that you know, do you think Kraft will be leaving the club in the summer? The way things have been going at the moment. I mean, originally I thought I thought he would be. Um, obviously, you know that I'm. Uh, a fan of Mankio. I think when Mankio comes in, we look solid. Um, I also like the fact that he can play left back as well. But fair play to Eddie. I mean, he's 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 stuck with Craft, uh, and for him to drop Mankio and bring him straight back in, um, I think it might have been Daz who said this to me actually. Didn't Mankio go off? Mankio went off against Tottenham, didn't he? Now yes. I didn't know whether that was a tactical change or Daz seemed to suggest that maybe you know he'd had a slight injury or whatever, but. I'm pretty sure that the on Friday Mankia was on the bench, so maybe he's just preferred Kraft um, going up against Johnny uh, Wolves' left back. I don't know, but I would have thought when you know when this takeover went through, Pete, and you're absolutely right that um, you know Kraft would have been one of the first people out the door. But may, maybe, maybe, maybe we do keep him. I mean, the one thing you can't knock Emil Kraft for is uh, you know his professionalism. He's never in the news for anything bad. He seems to be a, the kind of player who, you know, if he gets let down or if, uh, you know, he gets dropped, he doesn't make a big song and dance out of it. He just gets on with it. Obviously, we all know he's a Swedish international. Maybe Eddie Howe's looking at him and thinking, do you know what? He's not on, I would imagine he's not on massive wages. Um, we brought him in for a relatively low fee because I think the club we signed him from had brought him in for a relatively low fee. I think it was yeah. around 4 million we got him for. 
Um, was it Ang? Was it Angers? We bought yeah, it from I, I, Ims or something. I think. Or yeah. Ims, yeah. In the French league, so they, so yeah. they had him. They had him on loan, and then as part of their loan agreement, they had um, a confirmation fee for the summer. Um, so they, he had a good loan on the back end of like it going in the same way as Rafa Benitez's last six months. He had a good loan spell there. They confirmed that they wanted to sign him permanently, but then. Because he played that well, a lot of other teams were after him. So I think they they confirmed the signing for him for like two million, and they were going to make a quick extra two million. And obviously, they're not an affluent club with loads of money, so they thought we're a, a, we're making two million for basically nothing. So because Newcastle came in with four million, they they accepted it. But um, mm. a really weird situation, but it meant that they they benefited from it, and we obviously got the player. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what Darren thinks, but I, I, I am starting to see now that Eddie Howe is really trusting uh, Emil Kraft. I mean, in the in the summer, um, you know, we we know that when Kevin Trippier comes back, he's first choice. So whether or yeah. not Eddie Howe looks, I would, like, I would hundred percent keep, I would keep Kraft hundred percent, and Mankio, like and Chris, but I think you take him for him to move on personally because he's been there for, for a long time. I, I just think Kraft watch on on Friday. You you look at him and he's I like I like the look of him. He's just like up and down, get his foot stuck in, and he's just he does the similar things, right? Um, so I'll I'll keep craft, but but uh, like Joe Litton again, he, the midfield wasn't great on Friday. Give a ball, give the ball away a few times. And like, there was a bit of laziness, a bit off him, and Shelley had a legs. And I like both. The crowd was quiet too. I thought on Friday it was it was a very quiet crowd. It wasn't this a normal. Do you know what I mean? Friday night like, yeah, I think the crowd was very quiet. I mean, it was difficult for me to to kind of uh, know that for sure because I wasn't in there. But but what what do you think? Do you think it was quite quiet in in there on Friday? Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was personally because they say like we weren't like we only sang towards the last fight like when we needed the whole time. But it was like it was very quiet. I think it was a bit nervous really because we knew we knew we needed the three points and Wolves. Wolves didn't turn up. They, they were dreadful, and I, like, I know we helped them play dreadful. We had three. I think they had three of the best players missing, which did help us. They had no creativity in midfield at all, and nothing of nothing going forward. I had, had a couple of shots, but the brother had them covered. But the crowd was high. It was it was very quiet. It was a bit nervous when they. But we won. That's the most important bit. We won. We got them three points. Like, win an ugly. It's good because like last year we we're getting beat. Yeah. yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely. It, 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 I, it kind of, to be fair, it, it reminded me a little bit of, um, I think you used the right word, um, uh, in nervousness. Uh, because when when I was at the Villa game uh, at St James's, um, when we were there one nil, and it was um, it was a little bit the same. So we we just come off the back of a, a an outstanding atmosphere for the Everton yeah. home game, where we you know, obviously we beat Everton. It was a great night um, uh, under the lights. Um, but then I, I was expecting maybe some of the same on Sunday, but it was a very nervous because it was a better team that we're playing against and we're a little bit unsure because we needed the points where we're going to beat them. And there was a nervousness until we scored and then maybe towards the back end of the game against Villa, it started to ramp up again because we're trying to get behind the players. It did actually kind of feel a little bit like that uh, for the Wolves game in that until we kind of scored and until maybe the last 10 even seven, eight minutes is when the fans really got behind the players to kind yeah. of try and get them over the line. Um, 
So yeah, and look, that that's that's bound to be the case. I think the fact that we're on thirty four points now, the fact that Burnley lost on the Sunday, I am fully expecting Sunday to be a spectacle. I'm fully expecting war flags to come out. I think they've got plans for Sunday that are going to be really good. Um, I think the fans are going to be a little bit more relaxed because we're ten points clear, um, and I do think you know um, the fans will really get behind the boys again uh, when Leicester comes down. Bruno, Bruno's he's just he's just a different caliber. He just makes everything so easy. Like he just he looks like he just passes the bar. It's just, it's just a different level. How we got him is beyond me. <laughs> You're right. You're right. He's, 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 he's too good. He, he is. But um, look, uh, just a question for you, Darren. Obviously, Bruno's come in and he's he's. Let's face it. I think we all we all know that he's he's one of the first names on the team sheet now uh, because of how good he is. But, you know, moving forward, every every midfielder fit, no injuries, no illnesses, who is your midfield three that you go with? Just say, you know, will fit, ready to go Sunday, all midfielders are fit in that, in that midfield three, that pocket three. Who are you choosing going into that Leicester game? Bruno, Willick, Joe Linton, if he's if he wants to play well, because he, I like Joe Linton, but he's on on Friday. He did he wasn't really up for it, you know what I mean? And like he, he give the give the ball away a couple of times. But if Joe Linton's on form all day long, Joe Linton, he, he's fine for the ball. He wants the ball. But he wasn't he wasn't, and I can be able to have an off day. Then we was wrong. But as Willie, Bruno, and Joe Linton, that's that that's how I would play me personally because I. I think Shelby, he just he likes to pass two yards, and that's left and right. Bruno yeah, likes. It's interesting, actually. Um, uh, there's a comment on there saying uh, Bruno is our quarterback, but you know, for long for, for long periods, John Joe Shelby was called our quarterback for exactly the same thing, playing deep, likes to control and dictate the play. Um, but Chris, I'll come to you. That yeah, same question, really. You know, all, all, all centre midfielders. Fit and available. Who are you going for? <sighs> it's a difficult one, Pete. It's a really, really difficult one. I think if everybody was fit, and assuming we play in the way we do with a holder, and then the two in the in the middle of the park, who kind of covered each wing and at all action, if you like, um, I think it has to well, it has to be um, Bruno Holden with Joe Linton on the left of the centre midfield and Willock on the right of the centre midfield. Um, but I will say, in the summer, and you might not like this, Pete, in the summer, um, I would probably be looking to see if we can upgrade Willock. And the reason I say that, I I, I want to keep Willock. And I think, the, you know, as a squad player, absolutely. And I think he can bring something to the team. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I still... I don't know what it is. I think I think we need if we're going to upgrade certain parts of the of the of the midfield. I think we need that all action central midfielder who's getting the assists and getting the goals. And that's that that's no slant on Willock. And like I say, you know, since since um, he's come back into the fold and obviously under Eddie Howe, I think he's improved tenfold. And what is he? What twenty one, twenty two? I I see his I do see his future at Newcastle if he continues to progress as he has been. But I just feel, you know, to really get in there amongst the big boys, I I, I don't know if Willick is the answer, you know, um, 
maybe past the two-year mark, I think we may start to look to upgrade. Maybe maybe we don't do it this summer. Maybe we don't. Um, but if we're talking about really making an impact and really pushing on, I don't know if Joe Willick is in the starting eleven for me. I'd, I'd have him on the bench, and I'd be happy if he came in or was covering an injury or he's come on as a sub. But week in, week out, do I see Joe Willick in the starting eleven? I, I don't know. I really don't know. I've got to be honest. What What do you think about that? <laughs> I, I, I think I think I agree. Um, uh, it, as harsh as it could be for a player that yeah. we just spent what twenty odd million for in the summer. Um, I think that's the reality of where this club's moving forward now. Mm-hmm. In that, um, I think you know Willock's performances in his goals in his performances in general kept Bruno out the team. So there's always a question mark. You know, Bruno's getting filtered into the team. Um, the reason why is because our midfield three is playing so well. Who is it that's keeping him out the team? Most thought it was Shelby. I certainly thought it was Shelby. I actually think now it was it was Willock. Willock's performances were keeping Bruno out of the team, and it kind of it kind of it did it. We did sense that because Willock would always get subbed for Bruno, uh, even in the early weeks. And it, what yeah. we thought it might have been just because Willock's gave everything and he's absolutely shattered him. We just yeah, give yeah. him a rest, and it kind of like wastes a little bit of time. But actually, I think there's a genuine thought process in why. Uh, Bruno hadn't started. It's because of Willock, and as soon as Willock's performances dropped, he was not good against Tottenham. Uh, in my no. opinion, I thought no, was, no, no, no. You know, he won the free kick in which we scored, great. But in game, I don't think he played well at all. Um, yeah. So for me personally, I just think that actually uh, Joe Willock will eventually become a squad player. I think what we're going to do in a number of positions, and we talked about the the wingers, we talked about, you know, is it going to be Miggy or Jacob Murphy? We're now having the same conversation. Is, is it going to be Sean Longstaff or Isaac Hayden, potentially? Because I think what's going to happen is one player from each position will potentially leave yeah, in those they, key positions. So you've got Dwight Gale that will leave. We'll get an elite striker, a top striker that will come in and replace him. We'll get someone like either Miggy or Jacob Murphy leave. We'll get a top level winger that will come and replace him. We'll get either Isaac Hayden or um, Sean Longstaff will go on a free. And we'll get a top quality midfielder to replace them. And I think that's what we're going to do. We'll have Federico Fernandez, Kieran Clark that will leave. And then we'll get one or two top quality centre backs to come in and replace them. And that's what I think what we'll do in the summer. I don't think there'll be wholesale changes, but I think where those players will leave, we'll get elite players to come in and replace them and build the squad that way. And I do think that Willett's going to really need to step up his game. I think this is it. You know, we're going in a direction where he's going to have to really step up his game if he wants to stay and play at the club. It's as simple as that. So, great point. What about ESM and Peter? And I, I know you're a big fan of them. <laughs> you kind of got the question. Um, <laughs> he just—I watched him for about ten minutes. Like, and I was watching him, watch him personally. He's just—he just doesn't track back. He doesn't get. He's just there. It was one point he was going forward. He kept losing the ball. Look, and the crowd started to get frustrated with him. And a lot of the conversation now, ESM people are getting sick of him. And like, and I can see on sad on Saturday. I'm afraid, sorry, like 92nd minute, one nil, we win one nil, he's got the ball, 
run to the corner flag, waste time. That was Alan Shearer, our thing, we fit Leslie Fernandez, went straight to the corner flag, hold the ball up, kind of try and get the throw in or waste, you know what I mean? But he didn't, he went towards goal and their keeper got the ball and they on attack. And they, I, I just don't think he's got the football knowledge what to do. Simple balls, he can't pass it. It's a show frustrating as a, you, you see it, like say, we're all, like say everybody's watching him and when the money went off, people like, a lot of people didn't clap and people was happy to see him go off. But when Bruno went off, everybody was up clapping and like, he was only played one good game in about five. And if we want to go forward, we need players to consistently perform. Um, first and foremost, Bruno Gamaris was the best player on the pitch. So yeah. if, he, if he didn't get a standing ovation, no, <laughs> no one deserved a standing ovation. Yeah, it was that, it was that clear. Like he was outstanding. Um, uh, Alan said maximum. Um, uh, I, I understand the frustration. I understand why people were frustrated with Alan set maximum, but I think there's a there's a reason behind it and um about why he does things the way he does. Now with Alan set maximum, he is a player um that, that plays off the cuff. Um he is a player that for two years has been basically the main man at Newcastle United. He he has been the one that the club have depended on, that the players have depended on that the fans have depended on. And there's an element to him that, that that enjoyed that, that enjoyed being the main man at the team and, and enjoyed being the match winner. Um, and I think that there's an element of, of, of him that, that misses not having those moments where he scores the goals, where he scores the goals that wins the game or he creates a magic moment that wins the game for the team. Now, some will argue, well, he needs to be a team player. I think he proved at times in the game... Um, uh, on Friday that he is a team player. He was releasing the ball a lot better at, at, at times where he wouldn't necessarily do so. So he is learning from that. But I think with Alan St. Maximin, you know, the, the, the concerns about him losing the ball in areas, there were some that I would question that he could have won free kicks for because I think there were some that he, where, where he did lose the ball and the game played on, I thought were free kicks and the referee should have gave them and he was very unlucky. Um, I think there were some, like you talked about, where he made that. Uh, so, for example, he made that fantastic blistering run. And I think, I'm not sure which one you're talking about, where it was the run where he had the eight men around him, or it was the one where he made the run and he hit it on his left foot and it went to the keeper. And yeah, that one there, that one. So, so for that one in particular, yes, naturally, um, you would get you would ask a player to, to go and run into the corner to hold up the ball. But it goes back to my original point. He wants to be that guy that 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 scores in the big moments, that produces a moment. You look at the way he celebrated when he scored against Southampton and he thought he won the game at St James's Park. Mm. He, he ran into the crowd, he celebrated with the fans. Like he he wants that. And at, at that moment in time, his his instincts of wanting to be the match winner and the goal scorer for the club. And it's not ego related. It's because he loves the club so much. You look at the way he celebrated with, with Chris Wood when he scored the penalty. It was one of the first ones to get him a massive big oh, goal. Yeah, yeah. So happy. It's not through ego. It's through wanting to be mm. the best. It's wanting to, to do the best for the team. And he's so used to being the main man. I think he's trying too hard at the moment. I think he's trying far too hard to be that main man. I think he needs to simplify his game, but I think that instinct to want to be the best is maybe overclouding some of his judgment at times. 
and I think it's it's not done nastily. It's not done um, without with any sort of disrespect. He's, it's just a young lad wanting to be the best he can be for us, the fans, uh, to show us that he's still capable of those big moments. He's still capable of being the the player that the fans loved because I don't think he feels the same love as he did before. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment in the game where, you know, he'd given the ball away a few times, not for the want of trying, he was trying hard, but there was at one point where the Gallagher gave him, started singing his name, they started chanting his name. And, you know, I think he, he ended up clapping the fans back or showing some form of appreciation to the fans. And I think from that point on, he had a better game. And I think it was because he needed to know that he was loved. He needed to know that he was wanted. Yes, some fans might get annoyed about that, saying he doesn't need to be that type of player and why should the fans support him when he's giving the ball away? But some players feed off that. Some players benefit from that. Um, and Alisson Maximin is a confidence player. He needs to know that he's loved and wanted and is being supported. And I think once he gets that, and if he does get that, I think we'll, we'll, he'll start to you'll start to see a better a better player. So, for example, he gave a ball away a couple of times, um, and he was frustrated with himself. And you could hear the groans uh, from the TV, um, and he was you know he was arguably frustrated. But then once the fans started to clap him and chant him at that point, it wasn't long after that that he produced that little flick of magic that set Joe Linton away, which earned the penalty. So for all of his bad performance, he still had a hand in the most crucial moment in the yeah, game that won us the game. So for me, yes, his overall game needs to improve. Yes, he needs to maybe release the ball at the right time. For me, he needs to play on the right-hand side. I've said it so many times. For me, he's very much much predictable on the on the left-hand side because he cuts him onto his right, he tries to shoot. Um he needs to play on the right-hand side and he needs to mix up his game a little bit. He needs to spend a little bit of time on, uh, over on that side to keep defenders guessing. That's just my opinion. But I'm not going to get on his back so much. I'm, I'm, I'm just not because I think there's still levels to his performances we're yet to see. It's only a couple of games in, so he's still building up his fitness. Um, and you know what, being honest, it would not surprise me if he turns up on Sunday and has a blinder. And that's yeah. just at maximum. I thought uh, Mickey, like say Chris at home, Mickey had a good game. He come on, he done. He's a different player under Eddie. Um, yeah, he's more control. He's more, and I look. He looked look a different player. Touching the ball, his movement. He had a good game too. I thought like and our phrases I wouldn't look at phrases out, but uh, like I think he's, he was saying Maxi could Maxi armor on switch every now and again to confuse defenders. So just playing that like one side, you know. I'll turn it now through a game. Could, 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 I mean, that could work. Yeah. No, no, I, I completely agree, mate. I think, uh, I think, I think there's more to see from Miggy. Um, and it's whether or not Eddie can tease it out of him. Maybe, as Pete said, you know, if, if Ryan Fraser has picked up this hamstring injury and we see um, Miggy get a, a run of games, maybe two or three games, maybe, you know, if he can impress, it might be something where we decide to keep Miggy going forward. Uh, obviously, we'll have to wait and see in the summer, but. I do still feel, I do still feel there is something in there with Miggy, but I'm just a little bit worried that he won't consistently churn yeah. out performances like that. That's my only concern, uh, and I do think that Miggy Armadon does attract a certain value, and I wonder whether if a top top player becomes available and the club ask for Miggy Armadon in 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 a swap, I I, I think Eddie Howe lets him go myself. 
Yeah, I, I like that's nice here because I like I like Nicky's his work work. It's non you, you kind of you kind of question his Nicky's work work. He's, no, no, he's no, non-stop. He's like Duracell cell battery. He keeps going, keeps going, and you may not have the final final miss bad shot, but at least he, he never has never dropped. He guns back, tries again. And that's you kind of follow him for that. But yeah, it, 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 it'll be interesting what he can do in the next few games. Yeah, and it's not as well. And, and I read this earlier on today in that uh, apparently there's a fifty nine million buyout clause for Miggy in his contract um, that I certainly wasn't aware of. But someone, what did you say there, Pete? Yeah, um, I'm just saying the, the comment from David Cook there saying that um, I read earlier on today that apparently Miggy's got a fifty nine million oh. um, buyout clause in his contract. So um, you know, if Miggy is to leave, it's going to have to be a negotiated fee. Um, so yeah, that that, that was quite interesting um, to read that from, from David. But um, yeah, I think I, I think that tells you everything yeah. as well, Pete. That tells you what we were expecting of Miggy, and yeah. I think if Miggy had hit the heights that we were expecting him to hit, we'd probably be saying sixty. Because I want more than sixty. But now, say for example, someone in Spain or Germany or Italy came in for Miggy Armaron, we're not getting nowhere near that. And I think that's the issue. We we've got a player on our hands who probably hasn't hit the heights that he should or could um obviously we've put that clause in but you know under ashley no doubt he's probably thought great i'll make you a nice 30 40 million on what we've spent on him um and it's not quite panned out like that and that's 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 the problem isn't it yeah having a player who's got that kind of buyout clause and he's nobody nobody in the right mind would pay that for miggy armadon and it's a shame um but that's probably why we're, we're talking I think we'll about only get 30 million, million pounds for him me personally I think I think that even that'd be generous, probably. Yeah, um, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, um, but it'd be like say that I want three more points to be just to me, just to see we're safe, and then like you say, and then we're gonna start time next next. Who's gonna come next season? Who what players we're gonna get in? Thing, but till mathematically we're safe. That's we're not gonna rest. But you look like the fixtures are barely. They've got a few hard ones and. Norwich mathematically they can catch us from Watford, but they've got the games they've got to play. They can't. They have got to play some of the big boys. Yeah. So it's it basically it's it on Burnley because that's the team who's man, they can catch us, but they, they've got a few home games. It's all depends how they play. Yeah, that's true. Be interesting to see how it goes. Um, that's for sure. But Darren, I'm right. I'm going to leave it there because we've got um one more guest in the right. in the in the um in the green room and we're um short on time. So right, um, thank you, boys. Great to chat to you. Right. And you? fingers crossed, we'll speak to you next week. Okay. Darren, I'll bye. Take thank care, you, Darren. Cheers, mate. Great to have Darren on. Uh, great points as always. Um, and yeah, some some really interesting talking points about ASM and, and Miggy. That's for sure. Um, Miggy and ASM. Would always draw talking points because they kind of they, they do split the fan base at, at times so it is it is a very interesting one to discuss and, and everyone's got a different opinion on both players but we'll bring in our last guest in the evening um welcoming dunhill how you doing dunhill uh, evening guys how are we all good all good yeah, i've got i've good. got a kit on as well yeah what are you going to talk to talk about mate yeah, what I was going to talk about was I noticed today your wafer apparently are going to uh, set a guideline as to how much can be spent by um, by clubs at seventy percent or something of of the of the turnover in the next three years. Mm. And uh, 
what I, I, I was going to say was, oops, I, I, so I'm, I've just got moved into a different room here, just because uh, I've got a light on now. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what I was going to say was, they're putting in the uh, they're putting in these rules now. Why now? I mean, you know, uh, we've had clubs fall by the wayside, go out of business, a la sort of uh, Berry, and yeah. you know, uh, Derby are in trouble. Yeah, right. I honestly don't get them. Plus, how are they going to enforce it? You know, you know, unless somebody with a fine tooth. Well, because I work in accountancy anyway, so I know these things. Unless somebody goes through the books with a fine tooth comb, how are they going to work out this seventy percent, etc.? Because one club's accounts are going to look totally different from as to how items are treated. Because if if you know accountancy yourselves. So how somebody treats an item one way, another person won't treat this as a certain item a different way, i.e. the creativity. So um, I find that very bizarre that, you know, they finally come to their senses after all these casualties, you know, clubs may being in trouble. I mean, we've had, we can go even further back. I mean, Leeds were in financial trouble as well, weren't they? Yeah, they were on the brink. You know, they were on the brink. Yeah, uh, another one. So really, it's a case of shutting the door after the horse has bolted, in my opinion. And there's been a lot of horses have bolted, <laughs> and finally they've 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 decided to shut the door. And I don't get that. You know, I just beats me. But anyway, another point I was going to come to this trial. Of sixty-minute matches, what, oh. what, what's all that about? I mean, you know, what, what we're going to have next? Four quarters. I'm going to try and Americanize, you know, f football. Like, you know, uh, after every fifty minute, fifteen minutes, uh, you, you know, after every fifteen minutes, you, you know, going to have breaks for, uh, I don't know, baked beans or something. <laughs> sounds like it sounds like an American sport that does, doesn't it? Yeah, You know, leave football as it is, ninety minutes. It's what we've all grown up with. Yeah. It's a basic basic rule. We've all been. How long is a game of football? Ninety minutes. You know, N not two half and not two halves of half an hour. Four quarters of uh, uh, you know, fifteen minutes apiece. And you know, no, leave no. leave football as it is. This is it. I think over the years, Donald, you know, the the they're trying to bring in all different things, aren't they? You know, obviously we've seen yeah. VAR come in, um, and VAR's, you know, it it works in many ways. Um, we're starting to get used to it a little bit more now, but it's still, obviously, some big tweaks need to be made. There's been yeah, a lot yeah. of big mistakes this season, and hopefully, it improves. Next the, the, the technology has been far too inconsistent. Yeah, or the people using the technology have been far too. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's uh, whereas I found in European leagues, it seems to work fine. Yeah, yeah, and we've seen it in other sports. I mean, you know, you in your tennis and your rugby, 
um you know they they use uh, video video um evidence if you like and it seems to work pretty well and i do think that var has a place i, I do believe var has a place in football but i just think it's got to be managed correctly and if, yeah. I, I do worry about yeah. the people who are behind the VAR. And I think yeah. that's that's yeah. half the problem in the way that we're, you know, the way that we're managing it. Like, for example, I know we've spoke about this previously, but, you know, you have um, referees who miss things or don't see things. And then it goes to VAR yeah. and then VAR don't say, go and look at the screen, go and have a look at the screen. We always know now, whenever a referee goes to a screen, the decision's getting overturned. Everyone knows yeah. it. You know, for yeah. the fact that's what's going to happen. But really, can they not just send the referee over and go, listen, we're a little you, bit unsure. You, you make your own yeah. decision. VAR should be the referee's eye in the sky. Yeah. Sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Basically, if 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 he's missed something, in his earpiece, you say, oh, um, I don't know whoever, Martin or whoever, you better, go, you better have another look at that. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? It, it would be nice if, um, you know, referees were told to go to the screen. And if the referee says, you know, listen, I've seen it. I don't need to go to the screen. I'm leaving it. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it, even then, and at least the referee would be held accountable. Yeah. Comments, at the moment, yeah. referees only go to the screen when the bar people tell them to go to the screen. And nine times yeah. out of ten, it's because they've said, oh, you've had a shocker there, mate. You need to change the yeah. decision. And they never stand by the decision. They always overturn it. And yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's too, yeah, it's, it's far too inconsistent. I'll tell you another thing as well. You know this clear and obvious? Yeah, clear and obvious, yeah. Yeah. No, Need some examples of that. You know, when... Uh, I don't think half the referees know what's clear and what's obvious. No, at no. At yeah. times. You know, and uh, we can see it. Watch it, but... I was just going to say, Dylan, I just think that referees don't want to make the decisions anymore. I think because they've got VAR as a backup, they would rather it go to VAR to make the ultimate decision because at least then it's not not at their door. The the brain isn't at their door that way. It is at the door of the people behind VAR. um, And the referees are almost doubly protected that way. Uh, That's just my opinion on it and that's why you find that VAR is being used so much more for so many different decisions now and why yeah. decisions are not stuck to because VAR is ultimately the ones that make the final decisions in those key moments yeah absolutely and another thing I was going to say with VAR what I don't get is for example in other sports where they have the fourth umpire or whatever he that person is actually in the stadium or in the ground, yeah? In somewhere mm-hmm. high up in the sky. Yeah. Why is it that, say, at St. James's, the decision is being, because I, I, I actually, a bit sad, but I actually, because I didn't know where Stockley Park was, I actually Googled mm-hmm. where it was. How come a VAR decision is coming from three, 400 miles away down in London? It should be there. In, in the, and I'm not just saying for SJP, all stadiums. I mean, how, how much space does a VAR room take up? It's not, it, it's for that, it's for the reason that, that it's at Stockley Park is that it's it's somewhere else in the country that no fans are able to question the people yeah, that are it, making these decisions. Yeah, if they're yeah, 300 yeah. miles away, uh, somewhere else, 
yeah, yeah. James's Park, it, yeah. they, they can yeah. feel confident and comfortable making that decision and not feel bad about it because they've yeah. not they've got to come into contact with any any of those fans that it affects on a negative point of view. So yeah, to me that's that that's why that's why it happens. Yeah, but but still, I I think personally, if, to, to get the to get better consistency, there should there should be a. If they're going to use tech VAR, there should be one in the stadiums, in in each stadium, so so that there's that, you know, um, coordination of. Uh, I, I would say it'd be better coordination. You're right, what you say as well. Basically, if they're hundred miles away, that means they're you know they're safe. But you know, life life is such sometimes you have to make a tough decision and you have to face yeah. the consequences. You know, it's not about yeah. you, you can't just hide behind a wrong decision. Or hide, you have to dare I say it, man up. So that's uh, that's a couple of my points. I thought I'd bring up today, having read things and you know. Yeah, I think well, they're really useful. Really good points, uh, mate. Gonna, yeah. Yeah, I think they are, and and it's going to be interesting to see how those those potential rumours manifest in terms of the sixty minute matches and and the various other things. They've already changed the the substitutes to five substitutes next season. Yeah. So they're already changing the way in which the process is in in, in the Premier League and in English football. So yeah, it would definitely be something to keep an eye on. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, great talking points and and something a little bit different as well, Daniel. So appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought, well, everybody's gone through the game. I mean, we're all over the moon three, but so I thought I'll I'll bring up someone else being there. It is a fans forum, and and we're not just obviously Newcastle fans, but uh, you know, we're general football fans. Yeah, <laughs> general football fans as well. But yeah, um, you know, I, I read things day in day out on the net, and I'm thinking, you know, what's happening to our game? Leave it alone. Yeah, I agree, yeah. mate. Titan. Uh, you know, sort the sort the bits out that aren't working as well, and then we're fine. Yeah, have to agree, yeah. don't you? Have to agree, yeah. and, um, and then we're fine. But uh, thanks for having us on again. Good to see you both of you. Uh, and, great to have uh, you back on, Donald. Yeah, I haven't seen yeah. you for a while. Yeah, no, no I, I, as I say, um, I, I was itching to get on today, so I thought, you know, I'll, I'll get well, on and see how. Welcome back anytime, Daniel. You know that. No, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah, um, you guys take care. I've got to, I've got to go eat now because my my teas my late teas ready. So you see go. you later, man. Okay, right. yeah, speak to you next week. Take care, man. Good to see you, Daniel. Take care, mate. Um, yeah, great to have Daniel on. Uh, some good points as well, but one or yeah. two uh, issues that are uh, um are different to what we've already discussed tonight. Um, with regards to that, I, I would hate if it turned to a. 60 minute match that's for sure what one yeah, of those things, that. that would be horrible but yeah you know the VAR decisions and one or two things it is raised there are reasons why these things happen um um yeah not great at all but um yeah some really good guests tonight really good guests um uh, again happy birthday to to Jimmy um uh Jimmy and Amanda should I say and uh, I saw on Twitter he's had a he's had a lovely kind of message back from me dad I think he's tweeted out to say that it was obviously his and Amanda's birthday today, Jimmy has, and uh, me and dad's responded to him uh, to say happy birthday, which is a, a lovely a lovely touch and, and well-deserved uh, for Jimmy. So, yeah, uh, really, really good to see that. Um, and look, uh, we've got a ton of questions. 
don't think we're going to get through them all tonight. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's about that time because there's some great questions and uh, let's uh, let's try and dig through a few um, uh, through a, a few of them if we can. That is, mate. Yeah, I mean, we'll try and get through as many as we can. And yeah. um, obviously, you know, normally we like to spend a bit more time on this, guys. But um, we've had that many. I'll, I'll warn you, Pete. There's 43 starred comments. Um, so we might have to literally some of them. Please don't think we're being rude, but we're literally just going to give like a few a, a sentence answer, and we'll just yeah. you know go through them. Normally we'd like to spend more time, but we've had so many good guests, and well, we've had five guests tonight, haven't we? So it's been uh, it's been harder to get through. But Pete, before we start the questions, I had a quick question for you. Yeah. Um, and this was this was from Lee, um, who who I do uh, speak to a lot, um, outside of the shows, and Lee asked me to ask you a question this evening, and the yeah. question would be. I think I know the answer, but if Spurs offered you uh, Hyung Min Son for 30 million plus ASM, would you take it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it, I think it'd be hard to say no to that deal. Uh, Hyung Min Son is is an outstanding talent, and he's he's an elite player. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I would argue that I think he's too good for Tottenham. Yeah, human, yeah. human song is a player that should be winning trophies. Um, and um, you know, banter aside, I don't think Tottenham are going to win trophies anytime soon, in my opinion. Um, so for for a lad that's what twenty nine thirty right now, uh, in the peak of his powers, I think he should be at another team. Um, uh, you know, picking up trophies. Unfortunately for him, he's got an owner um, or a chairman or whoever you want, Daniel Levy, who will drive such a high bargain that no one's going to want to pay the fee to take him out of Tottenham. It's as simple as that. And he's just signed a new contract. So, yeah, if that was the case um, and it was a little bit of money and ASM to get Son in, yeah, I, I would I would take that. Um, yeah. Here's the finished article. So that's the difference. At 30 years old, here's the finished article. Now, you could argue that five years ago... Um, he wasn't the finished article and he wasn't putting in the same performances now that he was five years ago. Um, you could argue he's probably playing better than ASM was now, um, but he certainly wasn't. Uh, but what I'm saying is, and the reason why I'm saying it is that there is still trajectory there in ASM and Human Song has always played in a team that's been significantly better than, than Newcastle's team has over the last five years. And we have to remember that. ASM has, has been playing in an average Premier League side. Human Song has been playing in a very, very good side. So I just think we need to give ASM time to play in a more attacking-minded team and not a team that's defending 10 men behind the ball. Um, you know, it, 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 you can never showcase your true abilities when that. And let's face it, Eddie Howe has already said he's not playing the way he wants to play. No. As a manager, he wants to play a different way, but he can't because he hasn't got the players to play a different way. So if he wants to play a different way, that may unlock ASM, but I'll leave it there. Yeah, no, I agree, mate. I think you're absolutely spot on on what you say. Now, this will make you laugh, but the very first question that we've had from Tom Dixon, and Tom, we're not going to answer this question. Um, and the reason we're not going to answer this question, Tom, you, you've asked Newcastle's expiring contracts this summer, Sean Longstaff, Fabian Sharp, Paul Dummett, Matt Target, Loan, should we keep them all? Tom, I'm going to say to you, get yourself on Loaded Mag tomorrow night because, funnily enough, that is what we're going to be talking about tomorrow. Am I right, Pete? We're yeah. going to be talking about players we should keep, players we should sell, and players we should look to recruit. So, tomorrow night, Loaded Mag, am I right saying 8 o'clock, Pete? Yeah, as far as I'm aware, 8 o'clock. 
loads yeah. of HQ. Yeah, get yourself loads of HQ and we will be talking all things that Tom. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep you there, keep your mouth watering there, mate. You'll have to wait until tomorrow night and we will talk about that in more detail. Okay, Emma Griffin with an interesting one. Evening guys, what do you think the club should do about Dan Ashworth situation? Pay or wait? Emma, I'm gonna answer that one really quickly. I think we should wait. I don't think there's any hurry. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me, I've said this before, if there wasn't some dealings being done behind the scenes where whilst he's on garden and leave, he's doing a little bit of work for Newcastle. But obviously, don't quote me on that. I'm not saying that's happening because I don't know. Um, but I don't see the point in paying five million for someone when you can get them for free in a few months time or six months time. And as I say, who knows, he might be doing some work behind the scenes that nobody knows about. What about you, Pete? Um, yeah, uh, for me personally, I think well, uh, people might not be aware, but but Brighton are, in, are, are on the verge of um, announcing his his replacement, Dan Ashworth's replacement. Oh, okay. I think David okay. David Weir was was the one that kind of took the reins from Dan Ashworth when he left the club, when he left mm-hmm. Brighton, and I think they're on the verge of, of announcing his replacement, whether it's David Weir or somebody else. I'm not quite sure. Um, so therefore, in terms of Brighton's point of view, I think their saga is over in terms of finding the right replacement for Dan Ashworth. And I think, <clears throat> come the end of the season, I think there'll be an agreement made. Um, in the close season, when everything's kind of closed, finished off for the season, everything goes quiet, I think there'll be a deal to be made in which he's then allowed to start in the summer. That's that's my personal opinion. But if not, am I bothered about waiting until November? Not, not really. Um, I, Eddie Howe's already said he's quite comfortable in taking on uh, the additional responsibilities of the transfer business. He did it again in January. Mm-hmm. I don't think he did a great job. Did a great uh, job. Yeah, and, and he did. So, yeah. not the worst thing in the world. But yes, ideally, we'd want someone of his calibre taking over the reins quite early on. But but watch his space. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, David Cook with an interesting one. Uh, this certainly caught my attention when I first flagged it, Pete. Even guys, see City are looking to bring Mikel Marino back to the Premiership for fifty million. Thought he was decent for us. Why did he sell him? So again, David, I'll quickly answer this. Um, and then Pete, obviously, you throw in any comments, but I believe he had a clause in his contract, and that clause was met by Real Sociedad. And basically, we couldn't stand in his way. I think it was a clause where if a certain amount was triggered he would be allowed to leave for Spain if he wanted to. And I think Real Sociedad took advantage of that. And one of the reasons we got him so cheap is because that clause was inserted. Um, so sadly, we lost him. But wow, what a player. And uh, certainly someone I'd be interested in in the summer if he became available. What about you, Pete? Uh, yeah, doesn't surprise me. Uh, I've not seen the link personally, but it wouldn't surprise no, me that City are linked with him because he, he's, he's technically very, very good. He's a, a Man City type of player, let's be honest. Um, yep, yeah, Chris has everything, uh, said everything right about the Mikel Marino situation. Real Sociedad are playing European football. Newcastle United, we're not. Um, and it's as simple as that. Now, the one thing that we have to remember is, is that Mikel Marino's last six months of, uh, of his career at Newcastle um, was pretty much on the bench. And the reason being is because that midfield of Diarme, um, um, Hayden, uh, Shelby, uh, um, and I think might have even been Longstaff at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't think Longstaff would come on the scene then. But it was certainly Diarme, Hayden. They they were keeping him out of the team. Shelby, I think, he was in there as well. They were mm-hmm. playing better than him. And he was finding it very difficult to be in the team. He wasn't playing that well. Uh, but we knew his potential. 
Um, yeah. Had a number yeah. of injuries on the back end of that season, um, but he is an, an elite player now. He, he's a top yeah. player, yeah. Um, yeah. and I would love for him to come back. But are we going to pay the sort of money that he's he's warranting at the moment? I don't think so. No. Unfortunately, probably a case, Pete. I'm sure you'll agree of a right player, wrong time. Um, because I think if he joined us now, when he did then, I think he'd be perfect. But um, you know, at the time we got him for a bargain. I think it was was it between six and eight million or something like that. And then obviously the clause was in there for ten million, and that's why he went. So it's a shame. Um, but yeah, little little uh, bargain from Rafa there. But yeah, unfortunately you can't uh, you can't stop can't stop him going if he wants to go, and that's 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 it, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So Steve Middlemiss asks. Um, do you think the bottom three are relegated? Steve, I'm going to say no. I still think Everton are in the mix, in my opinion. I think it's between the bottom four. So I think it's going to be between Norwich, Watford, Burnley and Everton. Um, and I don't think Everton are out of it just yet. I know they had a great win against Man United, but there's some difficult games to go. And it would be interesting to see if Watford and Burnley can push them. I do think Norwich are down, but Watford and Burnley, I think they've still got some very winnable games there where they can you know, pick up points. But what do you think, Pete? Um, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's down to the bottom four. I think Leeds have done enough yeah. to get those couple of results that have kept them out of it. Obviously, Brentford are above us right now. Uh, we're in that position where you know we're not quite a hundred percent safe, but I, I think we are personally. I think we're going to get points on the board between now and then the season that will take us beyond forty points. If I'm honest with you, so yeah. I don't think it'll be a worry. But obviously, because we're on thirty-four and not. 37, 38, uh, people in uh, Newcastle fans are still worried. Um, personally, I think it'll be the bottom three that goes. I, I do. But I think it'll be tight. And I think it'll be tight because Everton's games coming up are very difficult. Um, and even the games against the the not-so-top teams are against teams in and around it. So they've got you know the likes of Brentford, the likes of Watford that they've got to play. Watford away, I think they've got Brentford at home who, who are flying at the moment and then I think they've got Chelsea, Leicester twice, Man City, Liverpool, uh, Liverpool away at Anfield, they've got Arsenal. tough games, Arsenal, they've, yeah. got on, uh, they've got tough, tough games. Um, so I think it will be tight but I think the fact that they beat us and the fact that they beat Man United is pulled them a long way close to being safe. I think if, if, if they'd have lost to either us or Man United, I think they probably would have gone down Everton. Um, but I think the fact that they've got six points out of those two games is probably just done enough to keep them safe. Um, but again, uh, let, let's wait. Let's wait and see. Um, but yeah, Pete, I'm going to let you answer this one, mate. Been discussed many a time. Jeff would love this. Jordy Soon for Life says we've looked at European centre backs with no joy. Ball playing centre back is required. How about John Stones? He ticks all the boxes. Forts, lads, and lasses. Yeah. I would love John Stones at Newcastle. I think he'd be a terrific centre-back for us. Um, he He's never really had a regular spot at Man City. Yes, he's picked up trophies. He's liked uh, um, for, he's liked by the players at the squad. He's he's a quite a real sort of fun character um, in the background. If anyone's watched the documentary Man City on Amazon, you can see how, how much of a fun character he is. Brings a lot of laughs and joys to the to the um, to the to the squad. But he's a he's a good technically a very very good player. 
And I think his performances at the Euros were underrated. I thought he was outstanding at the Euros. And I think with regular football, he'd, he'd be a top centre-back uh, and be a real good right-sided centre-back, ball-playing centre-back that could take us forward um, significantly. Um, that would be a real statement signing for me. And I think we could get him at a reasonable price. I think he's going to want to leave in the summer. I think he's going to want to play regularly. He's never going to play regularly under Pep Guardiola. And at this point in his career, at 28 years old, he's got to think to himself, you know, I've won big trophies. He could well win the Champions League in the summer, uh, you know, in May. Um, if, if Man City get there and he either won everything he needs to at a domestic level, he might then think, well, I need to, I just need to play regularly, regular football. Um, so that, that's my opinion. Hundred uh, percent, I'd take him. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's a good, good point, Pete. And also, not let's not forget, if he does come to Newcastle, he'd be playing alongside Kane Trippier, who one will not only make him a better centre back, but also um, is firmly on the fall to Gareth Southgate. So if he's playing next to Kane Trippier regularly, there's no reason why he couldn't, uh, you know, cement a, a regular place in the England squad as well because of that link with Trippier. So that could be another attraction for him. Two out of the four. Two out of the four of the back yeah. four. Yeah, it? yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Tom Dixon asks, if we beat Leicester on Sunday, do you think we'll be safe? Tom, in a short response to that, yes. Pete? He's nodding. He's happy. I'm happy. Yeah, let's hope we get that win. And obviously, Pete's going to be at the match with his daughter. Um, fingers crossed, you know, uh, they get the, they get that win for you, Pete. I know it'll be it'll be fantastic, but it'll mean even more to you, Oda Pete. You know, obviously with it being against Leicester, I think you'll be uh, I think you'll be buzzing with that. Um, I won't ask that one because we've kind of already gone through that. Uh, yeah, okay, Sam and Davis with a really good question. Um, Pete, do you think? Um, do you think Lucas Paqueta will suit the league and where would uh, they fit into the side? I, I think if we sign Lucas Paqueta, Simon, it's just a case of, you know, you, you fit him into the side. I think it'd be fantastic. Talking about replacing Joe Willock, I think, you know, play sitting just in front of uh, Bruno, I've, I'd, I'd love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. But Pete, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, Lucas Paqueta is, is a top-level um, centre midfielder, he will fit into the Premier League. There's no doubt about it. Um, he, he's that type of player. So for me, yes, um, I've got no concerns about that. And does he fit into the side? He fits into those two attacking midfield positions that Joe Linton and Joe for long parts, Joe Linton and Joe Willock have been occupying. And the game on Friday it was Joe Linton and Bruno Gomez with John Joe Shelby sitting deeper. He will occupy one of those two spots. So what you'll probably find next season is that Bruno Gomez will come back into that deeper role. Shelby will probably find himself on the bench. And then you'll have Lucas Perqueta and one other. Joe Willock, Joe Linton, Sean Longstaff, whoever it is that, that's that second person of the of the two attacking midfielders. That, that will occupy the position. Um, and that'll be a significantly better midfield than what we've got at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. An all-Brazilian midfield, potentially, Pete. Definitely. Yeah, um, and I think it would work well. Okay, interesting question from Gally, interesting question from Gary Milliken, who says, Pete and Chris, would you take any players from Leicester or Palace? Now, Pete, I'm going to ask you this in a sec because I kind of know who I think you're going to say. Um, so I'm going to try and play a guess game here, Pete. I would say that you would say 
and they'd probably be the same players on my list as well. Um, I would look at from Palace, I would look at Elise, and I would look at Conor Gallagher. And from Leicester, now he's back fit as well, which I which I hadn't spotted. I would probably say Wesley Fafana. I think he's kind of he's kind of gone off the radar a bit. Could be straight back in for him. Um, probably just them three actually. Um, I can't think of anybody else who I might be interested in Leicester. I know we were looking at Sumare a while ago, but I think I think that ship sails, and I don't think I don't think he's uh, pulled That's up any trees since he's come to the Premier League. No, so I'd say yeah, I'd say Elise. Uh, Elise and um, Conor Gallagher from Palace, and yeah, I would say Fafana from Leicester. What about you, Pete? Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd go alongside to agree with that. Um, Palace, um, Elise, um, and Conor Gallagher. I would also throw in there um, Tariq. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Tariq yeah. Mitchell is, uh, and I've said this before. I said this before. He got his England cap. Uh, when I went to watch him when we played Palace away. He was an outstanding performer on the pitch. He was very, very good. Now he's not that he's not a Mac target. He's not an attacking fullback that likes to get forward, whip balls into the box, that type of fullback. He's just a proper old school fullback. Defends, defend, defend. He can't get past him. He's big, strong, good in a tackle. He can get forward and get and get balls into the box, but it's not his main game. I just really rate him as a full-back and I'm not surprised he got called up for England and I'm not surprised he's got a couple of caps under his belt. Fully, fully deserved. So Tariq Mitchell I'd add to that list. Mm-hmm. Um, with regards to um, Leicester, uh, Leicester um, Yuri Tillemans, uh, um, you know, decent, decent centre midfielder, uh, wants to leave the club. Um, uh, I think he's got a year left on his contract going into this summer. Um, lots of teams are going to be circling. Um, Wesley Fofana, outstanding talent. Just, just, a, just a, a, yeah, he could play any any top club in the world. He's that good, uh, Wesley Fofana. Uh, one other, just to throw in the mix, uh, Harvey Barnes. I like Harvey Barnes. Yeah, um, yeah, can play off the left. He tends to play on the off the left, but um, uh, he's had a few injuries over the last couple mm. of years that have kind of hampered him. I think he could have been an England regular. Had he not had those injuries, I think he was certainly, when he got his last bad injury last season, he was on the verge of England and getting called up to England at that point. Electric speed, knows where the goal is, intelligent player. Um, He can play on the left or the right, but predominantly likes to play on the left because he likes to cut in. Um, Yeah, he's a terrific talent. Um, So, yeah, I'd I'd add him to to that list as well. Yeah, no, very good show. Colin Wilson asks... um... He says, I put this out to Stephen Gibbo. I know he is a, a Stevie G's good mate, but can Villa before continue his wages? He probably talks to Bruno on a regular basis. What a sign that would be. Would you be looking at Philip Coutinho in the summer if he became available, Pete? Um, no. Uh, n- no, not really. Um, I think uh, for all the reports um, that have been circulating, he had an opportunity to sign for us and he decided to go to Aston Villa. At that point, I think there are other players out there, Lucas Paqueta being one example. There are many others that we could go and sign as an alternative. Um, can Villa afford his wages? Interesting. Villa have got the money, um, but Villa have spent a lot of money too. And I can't remember, I think we had the list up a while back um, on a, one of the loaded shows about the losses that teams have been making. And I think Villa are, are relatively high on that. I don't think they're the highest, but they're up there in terms of losses. So 
it'd be interesting that maybe they might have to sell. Now, one of the things I'll see, uh, I'll be interested to see with Aston Villa is that I don't think Danny Danny Ings will be at the team at Villa next season. No, he's disappointing, doesn't he? I don't think Douglas Louise will be at the team at Villa next season. Um, and yeah, I think I think they'll they'll probably look to sell a couple of players. It would not surprise me if Tyrone Mings gets sold in the summer. Um, yeah, I really think that he could get sold. I think they're going to maybe look to cash in on a few players because I think. Gerard's looking at these players and been sussing them out a little bit like what Howe's been doing and maybe looking at moving a few players on for, for big fees in order to strengthen where he wants to strengthen. So, yeah, it'll be interesting one. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, right, okay. The next question. Where am I? Apologies. So, next question uh, from Gally Milliken. Very interesting one. Piss. Uh, piss. <laughs> It's not our new nickname, Pete. Yeah. You can tell it's been a long one, <laughs> can't you? Piss. Not even told me about it. Yeah. Is piss. that because I'm just drinking brandies all the time? You <laughs> need a piss. Oh, yeah. no. um, Gary Milligan says, Pete and Chris. Um, <laughs> I hope no one. I hope. I hope no one picks up on that. We don't want. We don't want piss shots every week. That's terrible. Um, Gary Milliken asks, Pete and Chris, who do you think will win the league and who do you want to win the league? Okay, Gary, that is a very easy, very, very easy question for me. So, who do I think will win the league? Man City. Who do I want to win the league? Man City. Pete, what about you? One word, ditto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, me, me, me red mates won't like that. But yeah, I, I, I've seen Liverpool win the league and it still makes me laugh that all the Blues say that, that that league doesn't count because there's an asterisk next to it and said that was the COVID season. So they're like, yeah, you won the league, but it doesn't count. <laughs> Love that. Um, obviously, if they won the league this year, that would be fair and square. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of Blues as well watching this, if they do, um, who would who would totally agree with that. But yeah, I would like I would like to see uh, Man City win the league, and I think Man City will win the league. Um, I think you know there was a big opportunity for um, Man uh, Liverpool to claw claw back against City at the weekend, and they didn't take it. I don't think Liverpool played particularly well. Um, Albeit, I think a point's a good result at the, you know, the uh, Etihad Stadium. I don't, I don't think it's a bad result, and City are prone to dropping a few clangers. So I don't think the title race is over, but I do think City will win, and I do think um, I would. Well, I do. I know I would like City to win the league. Um, Jersey Mark asks: Does a full Eddie House season with summer transfers mean a European place next season? I mean, Pete, my answer to this question would be possibly. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a given. But I think it's a possible. It's a possible, depending on who we sign and uh, how big we go. But what what are your thoughts? Um, I think we fight for Europe. That doesn't yeah, mean we yeah. necessarily get it. No, that no, doesn't no. necessarily mean we're guaranteed it. But I think we will, at some point next season, be in the discussion for European yeah. football. Now, you know, I'm not talking Champions League. Uh, I'm talking uh, uh, maybe even at most Europa Conference. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's the most I'm talking about next season. But I think we will be. It would not surprise me with the summer activity that we have. That you know when Sky and the pundits do their predictions for the season, what people might be doing. I think they will talk about West Ham. I think they will talk about Aston Villa, and I think they'll talk about Newcastle United as being one of those 
three of those teams being one one of those teams that will break into that European. Now, West Ham have done it for two years in a row now, so they'll be talked about that in a lot more depth. You know, they're, they're on the verge of the semi-finals of, of the Europa League. Um, you know, Wolves are fighting for Europe and are, are very close to getting it. Um, I think we will be the next team that will be talked about in that sort of light. That's just my opinion. Um, because there'll be genuine uh, fear and expectancy at the same time that, that will be coming for them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree, mate. I absolutely agree. I think um, I think we'll definitely be in the mix with the with the right players if we bring them in. Um, it's not a given to say we'll definitely get it, but, uh, you know, I think it's, um, it's certainly a possibility. Um, okay, so Derek Sharp asks, uh, target Lingard and Paqueta should be our first signs in the summer. Oh, it doesn't ask you, it's just his opinion. Um, Derek, I'd love to see Paqueta and target signs. I'm not sure on Lingard. Uh, I don't know if that ship sails. And as Pete's already said, I think I think he's uh, he's practically joined West Ham, if uh, rumours are believed to be true. Um, and maybe maybe we, we move on from Lingard. Maybe that was a January, you know, by now or never kind of thing. Um, he's not signing for us, Chris. No. Lingard's not signing for us. No. It, it, like you just you've just said, a now or never. There was a number of plays. Diego Carlos was another one at, at Seville. It was either we signed him in January or not at all. Lingard's exactly the same. Lingard won't be, and and I think um, uh, Mitch actually on NUFC matters on the Three Amigos quite rightly alluded to that same fact as well. He said, you know, from what he's hearing that Lingard is off the agenda, that he's not even part of the discussions anymore. Uh, and I'm not surprised by that no, um, no. because you know even even before we became interested in him in January, it was really quite openly talked about that he'd already pre-agreed a move to West Ham anyway at the end of the season, which mm-hmm. is why West Ham tried to make that transfer deal permanent in in January. But because they were fighting for Man United for top four, Man United refused and would only look to loan them to us loaning him to us because of that reason, because we weren't considered a threat at that point. Um, but yeah, uh, I think I think he'll be a West Ham player next season, not us. And, and yeah. to be honest, you know, at, tw- at 29, 30 years old, I think there are other wingers out there, uh, uh, probably at a better age, and maybe even technically a better ability that yeah. can offer us a little bit more. Um, a good player a very good player but if you look over the course of his career he's had very up and down moments he had a good moment at West Ham doesn't necessarily mean that'll be the same again and he's barely kicked a ball all season so who's to say that that's going to then hamper him going into next season we don't know so yeah not to mention he's a free signing so he'll be he'll want a nice big signing on fee and he'll probably command whatever wages he wants so would it break the wage structure? Wouldn't surprise me. Um, so yeah, maybe we'd look elsewhere. Jordy Tune for Life says, and this this was a good point actually made from before, Pete, um, saying that we could send the cells back to Forest as part of the deal. And I think he's talking about the deal for Brennan Johnson. Um, so that you know that's that's not a bad shout. Um, that could that could be it. Maybe even Carl Darlow. I know someone else in the chat said Carl Darlow as well. Obviously, they, we got them from Forest. So yeah, it's, it's a perfectly uh, perfectly good shout. Wouldn't surprise me if Lascelles goes back to Forest, but not next season. I you think, think Lascelles so, no. will still be in our squad next season, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I think. But we be... we spoke about loads of players leaving, didn't we, yeah. Pete? And you can't you can't you can't push like twelve or fifteen players out the door in one go. Um, so like you say, he's probably not high on the list in three in two three seasons. Maybe he's not here, but yeah, I, I do tend to agree with you. 
um, they wouldn't necessarily kick him out the door, so to speak. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and it's the captain. Yeah, yeah, this is it. This is it. Um, Benny B1892 says, is there a case for Anderson? Um, is is there a case for leaving Anderson with Bristol and Joey Barton if they get promoted to League One? Most important thing is that he plays week in, week out, not like the previous year's loanees that don't play. It's a, it's, it's a fantastic point, Benny. I mean, me personally, I'd like to see him in a higher level than League One next season. Um, but I, I totally take your point in that, you know, he's going to be playing in a team that are going to be battling to stay in League One next season. Uh, and if he really, you know, ups his ups his levels, maybe maybe we could agree it till January, and then you know, mm-hmm. say in January, right, it's time for the championship now, mate. You know, you need to you need to go up an, another notch. Um, but you know, if he's if he's playing games under under Joey Barton and they're really happy with him, you know, I, 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 I do see your point in leaving him there. I mean, what what do you think on that, Pete? Yeah, um, it, it, I think having that continuity with the manager of the team, the players. And can have a, a have a positive effect, but but I would I would like to look. We want to maximise his progression and get him into our team as quickly as he, as as humanly possible. Um, but I, so I would like to see him in the higher league. Yeah, personally. yeah, um, and I think he's he's capable. Like for me, for me personally, I'm looking at a team like Derby County, for example, that struggled yeah. to get any players in. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Had a, yes, they're probably about to get relegated, but actually, you look at how many games they've won, how well they've played, they've had a good season. They've just been lucky that the deduction of points has screwed them over in getting yeah. relegated. I would, I could have seen Elliot Anderson playing in a Derby team with the likes of Wayne Rooney as manager and really excelling in that team and playing really well. There's no reason why I, 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 I don't believe there's no reason why he can't play for a team in that position. Um, you know, put him in a Blackburn Rovers team. He could play in a Blackburn Rovers team. He could play in a Stoke team. Someone just talked about Tyrese Campbell. Tyrese Campbell is probably not at the level that we're looking at for Newcastle United, but I'd put, Elliot Anderson in the Stoke team and, and allow him to play there. There are other teams that he could go to. And I think teams have been watching him, so they'll be he'll have the pick of the bunch in the summer. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. That. I agree. Um, I think this is a nice easy one, Pete. Um, do you think Perez is feeling that he made the mistake joining Leicester? Um, you could argue no, because he's picked up an FA Cup. Um, and and the community shield so in his mind he'll think no not really because i picked up a trophy two trophies um that i never picked up um, at newcastle united but from his own career point of view um i think yeah i think there'll be an element of him that will be disappointed with how his career has gone at leicester i don't think he'll be disappointed in the fact that he left newcastle because at the time in which he left newcastle um you know, I think most players probably would have left Newcastle at that point if they'd have had the opportunity because yeah. we weren't going anywhere. Yeah, so that was Mark right. Ashley, Rafa Benitez had just left. And at that point in his mind, he was like, I need I need to get out. So I, I understand it from his point of view, the way in which he, he, he felt and thought. But his career's gone backwards since he went to Leicester. Um, mm. And they, they did not expect to get the player that they got. In, in Jose Perez and I told Leicester fans at the beginning that he has very very decent patches of play but they're very small patches and he's not a consistent player and I did say that to them and they've come back to me and said yep yeah, you're absolutely right he's shy we don't like him we want him gone 
Uh, and that's yeah. what, and that's a, not just a few Leicester fans. That's a lot of Leicester fans that I speak to. They do not rate him. I would yeah. not be sorry to see him being sold in the summer. Will yeah. he come back to us? No, he'll go back to Spain, which is where he should have gone in the, in the first place um, anyway, because that's what he talked about for six months, about going back to Spain. Uh, when he in his last six months in Newcastle, that's where he should have gone. That's where he'll go now, and he'll probably excel at, uh, at Real Betis or somewhere like that. Yeah, I agree, mate. I agree. David Cook asks, uh, this is when I was talking about uh, right midfield, but I was meaning the right of the centre of midfield. But to answer your question, uh, David, the right centre of midfield, I'd definitely be looking at Lucas Paqueta. Got to be honest, I'm not going to lie. Um, and in terms, if you were asking me for like a right midfield, and I'm, I'm kind of going on here, really, I'm going I'm going above and beyond there, David. But if you were asking me for like a right winger um, to answer that question, um I would just be looking at Rafinha at Leeds. I just think he'd be superb. Um, every time, every time I watch Rafinha play, uh, I always think there's, there's something special there. And hey, he's a Brazilian, so straight away he's getting a big tick off me. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think um, I think Rafinha from Leeds. I think it, I think he'd be uh, I think he'd be a great signing. Um, Ryan Sweeney asks, and I'm going to ask Pete when he comes back about this because this is an interesting one. But um, Ryan Sweeney oh. says ASM didn't pass to Bruno; he chose Burn. Why he don't like Bruno being top man? Now that's that's an interesting point, that Ryan, because me and Pete were me and Pete were discussing this actually at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, saying <coughs> quite the opposite. We were saying, you know, class players tend to lean on class players. And for us, we we noticed anyway. Maybe maybe not in the Wolves game. So I'm not saying you know you're lying, Ryan. But you know certainly in the Tottenham game. Yeah, Pete. Right. We saying, Come on, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. We were we were saying that um, we felt that like ASM and Bruno have really stuck up this relationship. And you can tell that when Bruno's got the ball, he's looking up, going, "Where's where's ASM?" Because he knows if he gives the ball to ASM, things happen. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. And like I say, I'm not saying that that didn't happen. Um, I don't recall it. I've got to be honest. But um, I would say I would say that ASM and Bruno are like that on and off the pitch, I would say. They love each other. They love each other. Um, uh, and, yeah, uh, you know, not just on social media, but you can tell. Um, I, I, we had the conversation, didn't we, uh, at the Tottenham game where I said, yeah, we did. We did. Um, I think it might have even been the Tottenham uh, away days before that. That we talked about every time ASM, sorry, every time Bruno gets the ball when ASM's on the pitch, the first person looks for is him. Yeah. Top players recognize top players. It's as simple as that. And that he recognizes ASM as a top player and vice versa. So they look for each other. Doesn't mean they always have to pass to each other. It might mean that he went for Dan Byrne, is what you mentioned before, um, uh, because he felt he was a better option. Um, you know, it's one of those things, but yeah, there's, no, there's nothing malice in that. There's nothing negative in that at all. Well, Pete, you'll be pleased to know we've got five left, so I'm going to try and whiz through them very quickly. So uh, we have one from Lee Ellington, and Lee says, lads, could Miggy be a make-weight in the Nunes deal? Would you let ASM go if an offer came in to make way for Jared Bowen or Calvin Phillips or another? And definitely Piquet's side. So, Lee, I'll quickly touch on that. Um, I think Miggy could be part of a deal in the summer. I really, truly believe that because I think he's someone who has value. Uh, whether or not Eddie will decide to keep hold of him, I don't know. But if someone makes an offer they can't refuse or it brings down the overall fee for the player that we really want, I think we could use Miggy as a make-weight. Um, I wouldn't let ASM go. Um, we're going to touch on him in very shortly because I think he's one of the last comments. So I wouldn't I wouldn't let ASM go. Jared Bowen, mm, 
I, I, I like Jared Bowen, but I, I personally, I would maybe be looking elsewhere than him. Calvin Phillips, he's another one, picked up quite a few injuries. You know, he, he, he kind of burst on the scene, but he's gone a bit quiet, especially, as I say, down to injuries and, you know, things like that. So whether or not he's someone we'll be looking at, and now we've got Bruno, do we need Calvin Phillips? It's a it's a valid argument, I would say. Um, but Lucas Piqueta, yeah, definitely I will be looking at him. Um, but Pete, answering that question, but also an extra question, I'm assuming, like me, you would have um, had particular interest in the Benfica-Liverpool game. Um, I certainly did. Um, and I've got to say, Nunes, he um, he certainly likes to put himself about, doesn't he? Quite a lot on the floor, um, but that you know that can be trained out of him. But um, what did you make of uh, Nunes, and are you still wanting them as much as you were previously? Even more so, mm. um, because what it showed for me against Liverpool is that he can mix it with the big boys, yeah. and 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 still perform and still score. Liverpool don't concede a lot of goals. The fact he didn't look phased, did he? Didn't look phased. Nah, nah. Uh, and that's a player with confidence now. I said when we talked about the transfer show, um, fully loaded transfer show unloaded, unloaded. I, I did say, um, you know, he very much reminds me of a young Edison Cavani, who is like that. He's a big, strong player, likes to put himself about. Yes, he might be on the floor quite a lot, but that's part of the South American charm to get win free kicks and win certain situations in their favour. Bruno Gameris did it a lot on Friday night. So that is within ingrained in their in their mentality in the way in which they play football. Um but uh, uh Darwin Nunes is, is is a top talented player. I am worried I said it in our loaded chat um I think the other day I am worried about Darwin Nunes because the more he scores goals, he scored another hat trick at the weekend. The more he scores goals, the bigger teams start to watch. And there's already uh, conversations out there and rumours out there that the likes of PSG, Chelsea, Man United, yeah. Yeah. they all need strikers. They all need strikers uh, and now looking seriously at Darwin Nunes. Um, and I'm worried about whether the window of January was the window like we've talked about, is either a now or never in in getting a player of his calibre because he he's not like you know one or two other players that have just kind of fizzled out, had a good half of the season, fizzled out. He's continued to score goals, um, and it worries me that you know we are look. Let's face it, we are seriously interested in him. We want the player. We've we've been observing him all season. Even before he became a big talking point, we've 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 been we've had scouts over in Portugal watching him, you know, and for for game after game after game. So we are in for him. There's no doubt about it. And we'll put the money down to sign him. But when other big teams come calling, PSG are going to be revamping their team. The likes of Cardi and one or two others, Di Maria, will probably be leaving the club. They're they're going to want to start again. Um, Man United need a striker because they're playing without one at the moment. At times when Ronaldo's not fit, um, you know, City need a striker. City need a striker. Chelsea need a striker. They don't trust Werner as much as they as they have done previously. They they don't trust Lukaku, so they they'll be looking at another striker. Um, it's going to be really really interesting. Um, and I worry that we're going to lose out on him. But Darwin Nunes is the real deal. A top-level striker, 22 years old. Um, Jared Bowen is having, is having an outstanding season. Um, but for me, he stays at West Ham. They're playing European football next year. It's not even a conversation. 
you know, uh, have him moving anywhere. He'll stay at West Ham. West Ham would be stupid and mad to let him go, and they'd want crazy money for him. They'd, they'd be yeah. they'll be demanding sixty million for him in the summer, whether he's worth it or not. Is, yeah, is you can't pay sixty million for him. Yeah, I don't. That, that, that's but that's what they'll be demanding. Yeah. Calvin Phillips, on the other hand, will be more realistic because I think there's a lot of rumours coming out that Calvin Phillips is interested in in potentially leaving the club. I think Calvin Phillips will leave, but it would not surprise me if Calvin Phillips goes to somewhere like Man United. Um, rather than us. I think yeah, we'll yeah. look in a different market. We we will not look in the English market unless there was a player that we really, really want that we know we can get. That's just my opinion. Dan Byrne was the example. I think what you're going to see from Newcastle, certainly in the early parts of this project, is we are going to go out into Europe and get some of the top young talent to come to Newcastle United and play for us. Likes of Lucas Paqueta potentially, the likes of Sven Botman that would be linked in, Darwin Nunes, one or two others. I think we're going to go out there and get those types of players rather than buy in England. And I think we're, we'll, we will then start to buy in England when we're finishing in the top half of the table, when yeah. we're challenging for Europe, because that way those top English talents are going to see us as a viable option mm. at that point. They're going to see the project in a different light. For me, I think we're going to get the European talent to come in, to take us to that level, and then the English talent come in. So, you know, Bowen, Lewin, Cal- uh, sorry, not Calvert-Lewin, Jesus Christ, definitely not him. Uh, he's dreadful. Um, yeah. Calvin Phillips, um, I don't think will be in our remit in the summer, although we'll be yeah. interested. Yeah, no, I agree. I've kind of got a three-prong question here. Um, so I'm going to quickly whiz yeah. through them and then I'll get your thoughts, Pete. But um, Lee Errington asks, here's a question for you. If we brought in a French national player, do you think that would help ASM? Say we look at Benzema in his, as a statement signing in the summer. We'll, we'll come to that in a minute. Somebody also mentioned Simon Davis. Uh, Diaby is a French player I'm desperate for us to sign. And Diaby's at Leverkusen, I believe. Yeah, Am I right in saying that? It'd be a tough one to get, oh, I would have thought. Yeah. Musa Diaby. Um, and then, interestingly, the Mad Mag Mark mentions one here, and uh, he's not been linked, but uh, I think he's a buy-in. Um, Tolisso yeah. would be yeah. a great player that could help ASM. So, again, it's got the French theme. He plays in the same position as Joe Linton, so it may help him to link up better with fellow Frenchmen on that left side. So, yeah, we, we're mentioning here uh, Diaby. We're mentioning Tolisso, and we're mentioning Benzema. Now, personally... Uh, I don't think Benzema is going anywhere soon. I think he'll see his career out at Real Madrid, and I think we'd be incredibly lucky to get him. So I think he's probably slightly slightly off uh, out of bounds, if I'm being honestly. Um, in terms of Diaby, yeah, I mean, he's, he's at Leverkusen, a young French winger. I believe he plays on the left. Um, exciting, yeah, he, he would he would be a fantastic sign. It'd be great if we looked at him. And Tolisso, yeah, he's a, he's a central midfielder for Bayern, as I've, I think I mentioned. But um, again, I don't know whether Bayern would let him go. But Pete, what are your thoughts on those players? Tolisso is a good player, very good player. Um, he won't be playing for Bayern otherwise. But um, and I think there's I think there's a potential window for him to leave in the summer. Uh, not playing as regular as, as he should be over his period of time at the club, um, but is a very technically good player. Um, the only thing I would say is that I actually think he plays very similar. I think he plays in a more deep line role. I could be wrong. Plays in more. He plays in a more shelvy role than anything mm. else. Mm. So you know, 
if we were to get a player like him in, it would mean that I think that Shelby would probably get moved on. If I'm if I'm being honest, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, not wrong in the in the him linking up with ASM. I think bringing more French speaking players over, and this goes back to the point about why Bruno and ASM get on is that they both speak French, so they've got an understanding. Bruno picked up French very very quickly when at Lyon. And he's already picked up English very, very quickly since he's been at Newcastle. Um, but yeah, I think bringing more French-speaking players over would definitely help ASM to settle a little bit more. Um, the other two, um, just remind me who the other two were again. So we had Taliso, Moussa Diaby and yeah. Benzema. Moussa Diaby, I, I, there's a lot of teams looking at Moussa Diaby. Uh, we would have to act fast um, to get him... Uh, He's a he's a supremely talented player. He he would be a great great signing for Newcastle, um, and he's playing very very well. And who's the last one? Sorry, Benzema. <laughs> Benzema. If Benzema's not in the top five, top four for Ballon d'Or oh. um, in, in December at the end of it's this calendar year, I'll be shocked because Benzema is proving what. Many people didn't think he was capable of, but um, lots of people have known that he's capable of is being an elite striker. He's been an elite striker for 12 years. Um, and it was only because um, Bale and, uh, and Ronaldo were were, a, were kind of blitzing him in terms of goals and assists that he looked like a third-rate, second-rate, fourth-rate, fifth-rate uh, player in that unbelievable Real Madrid side, but he played a huge part in that. And he's come to the forefront since Bale's dropped out of the team and Ronaldo's left. He is a top-level striker. So well done. At 32, 33 years old, he's still still proving he's the best around. Um, And I'd say, you know, he's he's neck and neck with, with Lewandowski. Um, yeah. And, I, yeah. and that's just my opinion. And the fact that he's doing it in a probably lesser Real Madrid team would probably pip him as being better, in my opinion. Yeah, um, no, I agree. I agree. But yeah, Benzema is definitely not leaving Real Madrid. He'll stay there, and he'll stay there and retire, or stay there and go back to France for a year. Yeah, I agree, mate. I agree. Well, that brings us on to our last comments. We've done really well to get through all of these. Um, and Ryan, please don't think we're digging you out, mate, because we're not. Um, so Ryan Sweeney put a, put a, a controversial uh, comment on it, but we wanted I wanted to talk about it with Pete uh, Ryan because you know, uh, you know I don't think you're alone in saying this, but Ryan says, "How can you love him when he gives up so easily?" And that's ASM. Now I will just tell you briefly why I love ASM. Um, so for me, Ryan, he's one of those players, Mercurial. He's a player who can light up a game with like one one flick of a switch uh, I, I i completely agree i think you wrote earlier on in the show you know saying how uh, frustrating he is how annoyed we can get at him and um, how you know sometimes you feel like he's wasting the talent that he's got but for me if you've got an ansit maximum on song there's there's not a premier league defender or even probably a defender in europe that can deal with him when he's running one-on-one with a player um and for for me you've got to keep players like that in and around your squad i think we're very lucky to have him um if he does move on i'll be disappointed i'm not gonna lie Um, does he frustrate the hell out of me yeah he does um I see signs of like, you know, David Ginola, Lon Robert, Hatton Ben Arthur, but you know, when they're on song, wow, 
you know, what a player. And um, I hope we keep hold of him. And I hope that we persist with him. We've got to remember he's only just turned 25 in March, I think. Um, we've just got to we've just got to stick by him. Um, that that's in my opinion. But Pete, what what do you want to say? What are your last thoughts on that? Um, I don't think XM gives up easily at all. Um, I think he's a player that actually um, tries his absolute hardest for the team. Now, you know, um, there'll be elements in the game where he goes on a run and he loses the ball and he kind of like gets frustrated. Um, and you don't see him like running and you know, breaking the neck to get back. It's because Eddie Howe has put a tactical system in place in which he doesn't need to track back as much as he as any other player. Um, and we did the same with Lauren Robert. We did the same with David Ginola. We did the same with Hatton Ben Arthur. We put a tactical system in place in which they didn't need to defend as much, um, you know, as much as the other players. And you know what? If you go back to Brighton during lockdown where we lost three 0 and Alice at Maximum not only got destroyed as a defensive left winger, but gave away a penalty off the back of that. For me. That was the day in which I said, I don't want Aaron St. Maximum defending again because he's not a defender. And when you're not naturally a defender, you give away pointless free kicks and pointless penalties. That's not where I want him to be. I don't want Aaron St. Maximum picking up the ball on the 18-yard box and then running 60 yards um, and, and, and knackering himself out. I would much rather Alan St. Maximum pick up the ball where he picked up the ball on countless opportunities in the game against Wolves on the halfway line and running at players from the halfway line because he's more likely to get himself to the box. He's more likely to get himself and the rest of the team up the pitch to cause problems. That's where you get into, right, okay, do you play smart and run it into the corner and hold him at the ball or do you go to goal? That's something that, that Eddie Howe um, needs to work with him on. But that's not down to lack of effort or giving up easily. That's just down to quality um, uh, of kind of like decision making but but that's not down to effort he worked hard off the ball and on the ball as well um, but it's higher up the pitch it's the bits that we don't see in defensive areas which is where I don't want him it, yeah. for me it, for me it, it, it's it's as simple as that I want him higher up the pitch where he can affect the game because that's what we've paid uh, for him to do and you know what over the last three years he's done that uh, he has affected games, maybe not as much as uh, as we wanted him to, but he has affected the game uh, and a number of games and scored important goals. Um, the last thing I'll say about Alan St. Maximin is we need to, and it sounds like a sort of broken record me saying this, is that we need to give him time. He's 25 years old. Um, we're, we're, we're talking about him as if he's 28, 29, um, attacking midfielder, but still not playing at the same level. He's not a Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba's 29, nearly 30. And we're still and people are still questioning whether he's he's capable or not. This this is not this is not Alan Set Maximin. Um and he's playing in a team that needs to be better in terms of personnel. So be patient. Get behind him. Don't get on his back straight away. Um show that support because it's easy to get on on his back if he loses the ball once or twice. It's easy to start groaning, oh, for fuck's sake, this, that and the other. Get behind him, show him support, because that will keep his confidence levels high. That will keep him wanting to get the ball at his feet and to take on players and to commit players and to create moments for Newcastle United. Because when Alisson Maximin's creating those moments for Newcastle, he will produce the moments. We need to make sure we get behind him. He's still our best attacking player in this team 
bar none. Um, so for me, that's that's Alice at maximum. Uh, and as I've said earlier on in the show, and I'll say it again, it would not surprise me if he comes in and has a big moment against Leicester and has a fantastic game. That's just Alice at maximum for you. Yeah, I think you summed that up, LP. And that is all the comments. All done and dusted. Um, all within an hour and a half, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nearly double. Nearly we double. Do, we do this every week. This I is know. ridiculous. <laughs> but you know what? That's just down to the fantastic um, comments from the people in the chat. Thank you for everyone that stuck with us throughout the whole show tonight. Massive, massive respect. Um, loads of you guys, um, you know, uh, we speak to you all the time, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Loaded, whether it's on Matters. Uh, we appreciate all your comments, all your questions. You guys are fantastic and you guys, you know, ultimately make this show. We're just here to facilitate it. That's 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 the way that me and Chris see it and we love talking Newcastle with you. So keep Absolutely. up the great work, keep up the questions, um, keep, keep in touch with everything NUFC Matters over the course of this week. Also keep, up, keep in touch with everything Loaded HQ. There was lots of good fantastic content from both channels that are coming to you this week um so keep in touch with everything from that point of view um thank you all for the comments in the chat and um, saying great show and um, you guys have made that show just as much as we have um but uh, at this point we will let you go um you take care pray for three points on sunday and we'll be back monday to do this all again and hopefully talk about 37 points and pretty much guaranteed safety. So until then, Chris, legend as always. Uh, chatters, legends as always. Take care. Have a fantastic evening. And we'll speak to you soon. See you later. Bye.